Welcome to a very special episode of the Animals at Home podcast. My name is Dylan Perrin, and this is a live show from the 2023 Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo in Toronto, Canada. This is the Saturday show. I did both a show on Saturday and Sunday and essentially just went around, grabbed some vendors, grabbed people who were walking around, anybody who wanted to chat. And we had some amazing conversation both today and tomorrow, or I should say the Saturday and the Sunday sessions were both incredible. On this episode, we're joined by Dr. Alec Brown. We're joined by Luke. Lucas and Brandon of the Alberta Reptile and Amphibian Society. We're joined by Annalise of the All Canadian Reptile Girl YouTube channel. Mark from Can Geckos. James, who's an incredible youngster who's been running around the expo helping everybody out and just being fascinated and a huge knowledge base of animals. Just a really inspiring kid. Matt from the YouTube channel Mystic Animals. Nick Mark from Expedition Wildside. You may also be familiar with his Instagram page, Mr. Vivarium. And finally, I am joined by my co-host the entire time in and out as well as we get to chat at the, at the end of the episode, Greg Nicotin, who you can find on Beneath the Canopy Exotics on Instagram. And Greg was a massive help the entire time. So a huge thanks. Actually, do me a favor. Go follow him on Instagram because he literally was the difference between this show, these shows happening and not happening. And uh, he was amazing to hang around with. I didn't meet him until the day before we started this, and it was amazing. We had a great time together. It probably goes without saying, but just to be clear, this show was recorded live in the heart of the Reptile Expo, which means there is some background noise, nothing insane. You can still listen to it. It just will not be the same clarity that you're used to from my podcast. You'll hear some background noise. You won't be able to make out anybody talking or anything, but you might hear the occasional dog bark or the announcement on the intercom and whatnot. Still 100% listenable. It's just not going to be the same crisp sound that you're used to, although maybe it's a bit of a cool ambiance. It might make you feel like you're actually there at the expo itself. Without anything further, let's jump into my Saturday live show at the 2023 Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo. At the stage. Oh, there is a camera. I got us. Oh, your posture. Oh, not yet. Hello. You're Greg, you're not in the shot. Oh, yeah. Get in there, Greg. Every time I see myself, I'm like, I don't think it's about time to shave my head. Hello. Oh, Brad's in the chat. Welcome, guys. Um, if you are early here in the chat, that's great. I really thank you for being here first off. But the first thing is you, I'm going to use you guys as a sound test or a sound check. So please let me know if you can hear us. Maybe I'll get the, the boys I, I'm joined with to, to say a little bit as well. Yeah, feel free hey, to mess with that. This isn't all about Dylan. <laughs> yeah, you can you can angle the camera. There you go. Are you able to hear me? I can hear you perfect. Yeah, you sound good. Excellent. Uh, Brad, sound, can sir, you hear me? Or, yeah, make sure we all. Obviously, we're in the middle oh. of a very busy expo, so it is crowded. There's dogs. <laughs> we're gonna hear barking, but I think the sound is manageable. So if there are any audio issues, please put it in the comments. And uh, <laughs> my tech guy here, Greg, <laughs> who's an advanced tech guy, will know what's going oh. on. And I can hear you. Okay, cool. So we're going to start. So welcome to my first ever live stream. This is Animals at Home. We are at the Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo. And it's a really cool event. One of the, the biggest uh, pet reptile expos in the country for Canada. And I'm joined by Greg. How do you say your last name again? Nikita. Nikitin, that's right, from Beneath the Canopy. So if you've been following me on Instagram, you see me tag him in a couple of things. He's going to be my helper this weekend, either co-hosting as well as helping me wrangle people and maybe looking at the chat. And uh, also Dr. Alec Brown is going to, is here as well. He's my first guest. So Alec or Dr. Brown has a lot to do today. So we're going to take a little bit of his time and then uh, we're going to have just a bunch of people coming today. It's going to be a revolving door. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably heard me say yesterday, this is going to be a much more loose and laid back show than you're used to seeing me do. Typically, I'm pretty structured with things. 
it, you can't structure things when you're in a live environment and we're just you know going to have people passing by and we're going to grab them and we're going to have good chats so it's going to be fun welcome to you both yeah thanks, thanks for having us this is great you got to get a little closer i gotta get closer <laughs> don't be afraid of that thing yes. well let's start with dr brown then because okay. uh, i know you're on limited time so first um why don't you tell us what you do here because you're actually yeah. are you're an employee of this yeah, expo employed by the show and so i typically think of myself as like the kind of welfare advocate or assessor so i go around to all the different booths and look at all of the different animals and talk with most of the vendors to make sure that all of them look to be doing well by that mostly we mean we want them to look healthy so that we don't have any obvious signs of infection or some kind of problem with them and that they're in good welfare so we want them to be in adequately sized enclosures have access to food and water as needed per species because everything's pretty different and that their temperatures and everything else are okay. So you you actually have to go through every booth yeah. and look at every animal. I go to every booth and I look at every animal. Do you have an idea how many, like the head of animals? Oh, how many head? I do not know. Thousands, definitely. Are you in charge of the backside too? Yep. Okay, go so for people too. who are, are unaware, there's this is a massive room we're in. We are in a huge reptile section, but also there's a fish section. And yeah. then after that, there's like a mammal section, cats and dogs. So that's all you. Oh, cats, dogs, yeah. and, and there's a bird section. Oh, well. and birds. So yeah. it's the pet. This is a, the pet expo. So yeah. the reptile expo is just folded into this. So it is a massive so The birds job. should actually be over here. Part of the reptiles. Yeah. That's true. They shouldn't be with the dogs or the cats. That's yeah. actually cruel. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So you have How a. What do you think about that, Dr. Brown? I mean, if you want to <laughs> split them up genetically, then sure, you can bring them over with the rest of the reptiles. But. I think that they, they have like a specific booth designed for that area. So that's why they're there. Being somebody who's currently recording a live podcast, I'm very happy that we don't have macaws next door yeah, right? <laughs> screaming yeah. into the mics. So, yeah. uh, and so tell us a little bit about what, because you're also a hobbyist too. You're not yeah. just an exotic vet, but you also keep animals at home as well. It's not a very original story. I'm sure I think most of the guests come on and say a very similar thing. Yeah. When I was maybe five or six years old i think i got my first pet which was a gray tree frog named him sticky feet and then from there i've had many different reptiles after that some garter snakes still a temporary sort of thing which i don't recommend nowadays but recently i'm really focused on poison dart frogs and electric blue day geckos so tiny little species and for a reason i like having really small animals because then i can provide them with a huge enclosure lots of enrichment very easily and more affordably than yeah. some of the bigger animals and they're diurnal they're really brightly covered colored so i can see them all the time and it's an interesting pet yeah yeah i mean that's a drum i beat all the time people know i talked about that keeping smaller species yeah. a monitor guy is sitting right here but keeping <laughs> yeah. small a smaller species it's just so much easier to provide yeah and, exactly uh, you know set up things that you don't i mean you have to reinforce everything and make sure that the animals aren't going to destroy stuff so yeah, it, it's a different interaction yeah. Totally. So you develop yeah. A different kind of relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's the flip side. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against monitors. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I was we a little hurt by that. But, uh, <laughs> we got to turn you up. Yeah. Or should if I turn I had, you down because you said maybe that? Maybe turn me down. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. lot more money and a lot more space. I would definitely. Have yes. I, hopefully, my wife's not watching this. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now she never gonna... does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so you do have a, an amazing collection. And yeah. you know, Dion from Reptiliatus, people would have saw you just did a, a tour yeah. of your place. And, you yes. clearly do a good job caring for everything, and uh, yeah, it, it's well done. I always wonder, because I'm a very like anxious reptile keeper, so when things aren't perfect, which is yeah. 100% of the time, it, it really drives me crazy. And I wonder, as a vet, yeah. are you like, is it one of those things where ignorance is bliss for me? Or like, I don't know how it works, but I imagine I that you're always worried. I tend to 
a lot of people do worry a little bit more than they would need to. Most of the animals that we keep in captivity are extremely hardy. Mm -hmm. Like most sick animals, or especially animals that are passing away, they've been sick for a long time. Weeks, if not months, sometimes years, if we're talking about tortoises and turtles. So there's quite a bit of flexibility. Yeah. And with that in the back of my mind, if not as anxious about most animals, the specific dart frogs that I have are a little bit famous for being more intricate and less forgiving. So I have the enclosures all set up, very dialed in for months and months before I put the animals in. So then I can be pretty sure they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just got some histrionica, didn't you? Or? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah, you were part of that last That's fall, a, that big order. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that order? Yeah. <laughs> it was that I was extremely nervous about. Yeah, I'm sure. I was thinking about it. I lost many, many hours of sleep about it. We ordered in some frogs from Tesoros to Columbia. It sounds a bit sketchy on its face, but it's actually a great cause, in my opinion. So they have an organization with the government down there where they have permits to collect a certain number of frogs. Then they breed those frogs in captivity and release a certain number back into the wild. So they're repopulating. That's cool. They release more than they've captured originally. And then they also sell them to hobbyists to get the funding for caring for the frogs and the conservation and wow. that sort of thing. Wow, that's really cool. So that I was looking cool. into these frogs. Nobody has them in Canada. Literally nobody. I guess not nobody. Indra in Calgary, he had, I think, four of these large obligates. Two of them were females of the same species. So we had one breeding pair of the redheads. I couldn't find them anywhere else. So I was investigating further, which led me to Tesoros to Columbia. And then I was messaging Ivan. It took him like three months to get back to me. I think everybody's messaging him. And there are a lot of tire kickers because they get pretty expensive. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. messages them. Then you find out how much they are. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm no going to delete my entire Facebook now. <laughs> yeah. So then we were really trying to get them over here. But the shipping window in Canada is so tight. If it's 30 right. degrees Celsius, we get pretty worried about the yeah. frogs and the yeah. transport. Theoretically, they should be okay for a little bit on the airport. But if there's some kind of delay, which was happening a lot, with all of the COVID restrictions and changes, and the frogs are on the airport runway for an hour or two, they could all be dead. And that's $50,000 plus just down the drain. Yeah. So for that, I was very Yeah, because that box was around 50 grand. 50,000. Yeah. More than that Canadian. And yeah. all you paid for it all. Yeah. <laughs> we just gone. I think there's supposed to be an alive arrival guarantee. Yeah. However, it's an airport problem. And it's not happening. Yeah. Because yeah. it was split between how many of you? You, five of us. Mike Tatula, Dion. Dian, no, sorry, Diane wasn't there. Mike Tatula was. Uh, Chris Stewart, who's here yeah, as well. Yeah. And then a couple of other people. Indra got a couple more frogs. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a commitment. Yeah. yeah. I would be nervous about that too. Yeah, Opening that, that many frogs. They're yeah. High price it's already happened and I'm nervous for you. Yeah. <laughs> we got them in. Everything was great. The frogs looked perfect. There was like awesome. one tiny bit of nose rub, which you'd see with many things. But yeah, yeah. A few days and later. You gave that one to Mike, right? Yeah. Mike has that one. <laughs> yeah. No, that's but cool. now most of them are breeding for us, so it's been very. So you'll exciting. be able to sell them, and yeah, if you want some red lamani, they're here today. Oh, you're, oh are you selling Mark that? Pepper? He's Mark, got okay. three of them. So oh, he's wow. selling frogs. Okay, yeah. cool. Already, eh? Yep. Wow, that's cool. Hey, and for those who aren't totally unfamiliar with obligates, can you just quickly yeah. give us the rundown of the challenges with breeding them? So they're the genus is Uufaga. Uu O O means egg, and Faga is eater. And they get that name because they're obligate egg eaters as tadpoles. So the female and the male, they lay the eggs, the male fertilizes them in a little cup. When the eggs hatch out, they're transported to a bromeliad axle, a little cup of water. And the tadpole lives there for its whole tadpole life. The female frog comes every few days and lays some unfertilized eggs. And that's the only thing that the tadpoles eat. 
So you have to leave the tadpoles in with the frogs, obviously. And if the female stops feeding for any reason, it's game over. The tadpoles are dead. So that's why they're so expensive and it's so nerve-wracking to get them. And just keeping those axles full, too. I mean, obviously, you have a misting system running, but it doesn't take much to, like, dissolve or to evaporate. Yeah, Mark was just telling me that he had a bromeliad rot out. He didn't know why, and there goes three tadpoles. Yep, (sighs) that happened with some of my Yeah, Yeah. That's a sad day. One thing I thought was really cool when I first started working with them was the male would go back and make sure the eggs stay wet. And so it's like the female would just disappear for a while. And it was the male's job to maintain the eggs. Once they became tadpoles, she'd come up, throw them on her back and and drop them off where she wanted. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, this is a really cool relationship. They seem to know what's going on. They they do. It's also I found interesting the male they call all the time for me. If they're not raising tadpoles, they're calling all the time. But as soon as they start raising tadpoles, he stops. There's no courting at all. So tired. he knows there's something going <laughs> yeah. on. I get that with a one yeah, and a half yeah. year old. Yeah. I've got two at home. Oh yeah. My. yeah. How uh, how loud is their call? Like, pretty loud. Yeah. Is it a is it like a disruption of your home? <laughs> I mean, I have headphones on if I'm down there. If I didn't have headphones on, you could have a conversation. But I don't know. It would be annoying if you're watching TV. I actually used to have my Pumilio in the living room, but my fiance was. Not into that. Yeah. We had to move them and switch them to the geckos. I remember when I used to have budgies. I just could tune out their sound. <laughs> yeah. But then people would come over and be like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, like, these yeah, birds, yeah. I can't even hear the TV. And I'm like, I really <laughs> like the sounds. Yeah. Like every time I hear it, I think, oh, this is a reminder that they like where they are. Yeah. I'm That's doing cool. things well. Exactly. And Mine it sounds nice. Big. Like these are, these yeah. are big. The Pumilio, so, I find, are the loudest. Uh, but like my, I had like, my, my blue jeans I found were like not as offensive. As yeah. even some of my ratatomeo yeah. that I was keeping, because they sound like a little baby duck, <laughs> and it was just there was like an endearingness when I'd be out in the house and I'd hear, wah, wah, wah. yeah, and yeah. it was just, yeah, it was great. I, cool. I loved having them. Yeah, yeah. And then from a as a vet perspective, is there anything that you watch for specifically that keepers yeah. might miss? I mean, for frogs, it's really weight loss is the big thing. Okay. Unfortunately, if you have a sick frog, you very likely have a dead frog pretty soon. There are a few interventions that we can make. But just like with most exotic animal keeping, prevention is the most important thing. Yeah. You want to make sure their cage is okay. And if it's not, then we run into tissues. Yeah, I guess you're in this fungal breeding environment, right? Yeah. Like you can yeah. things can grow fast when you're yeah. hot and wet. Right. Have you had Dr. Oz on, Frank Ossipoff? I know he was on Amphibicast. No, no. But he's like a, a veterinary pathologist in the States. Okay. Way to market other people. Wow. <laughs> no, don't worry. I have Dan's sticker on the back of my yeah. computer. <laughs> and he... So he really does a lot of amphibian work, and he kept yeah, yeah. a bunch of dart frogs as well. And he talks a lot about the different parasites that you can get, and some of them, like strongyloides, they survive in the frogs, but they can also survive in the enclosure. Right. So typically, with most parasites, you treat the animal. Once that's dealt with, you can maybe keep them out of the enclosure for a while or thoroughly clean it, and you're okay. But with these strongyloides, they're a lot more scary because you treat the frog, but then there's still a whole bunch of worms completing their full life cycle in the soil. So as soon as you put animals back in there, they infect the frog again. Right. And you basically have to tear down the whole tank, which can be hundreds of hours of work and sometimes thousands of dollars is gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's tough. And so the, and then the other, I think you said you we talked about the small species, but I also know that you're an anti-cricket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that part of the small species? I'm a completely cricket-free household. Yeah, I yeah. hate crickets. I had, and I've bred bearded dragons in the past. It's probably why I hate crickets, just ordering in thousands and thousands every week. 
Yeah. They smell so bad. They're so noisy. They escape all the time. <laughs> we were just talking about we that. We were just right actually away. talking about it because yes. I, I argue with them smelling bad because I think that yeah. the death rate, I think, is what makes them smell yes, bad. Exactly. And if you really keep up on your crickets as 90% of us don't, yeah. Um, they stink they, and they die, they, or they die like, and then they stink. Honestly, yeah. once I once I took my cricket keeping more seriously, as like an active yeah. animal in my animal room, yeah. Um, man, they don't smell. Yeah, and and I, and I focus on smaller crickets because I also yeah. don't like them singing. Yeah. If oh, that's you true. Spend the time. I'm sure you can yeah. keep them well, and they, they won't smell. Yeah, but, but I have zero interest. Yeah, in that. and that's and that becomes the catch. I, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. took me a while to hit that point. Yeah. Well, maybe let's talk a little bit about the lidodactylus, lidodactylus. I don't know yeah. why I always put the syllable in the, or the emphasis in the wrong spot, and then we'll let you go because I know you yeah. probably have lots to do. So tell us about that that project. Yeah, the electric blue day geckos, very small little guys, maybe like three inches long with their tail. Unlike anything else out there, in my opinion, the males are bright, bright blue, hence the name Electric Blue Day Gecko. And but it's a crazy blue, too. Very yeah. bold. So they're out all the time. They're basking all day. So it's not like you've got this incredible looking gecko that you never see, which yeah, sometimes yeah. happens. Um, and then they eat a lot of Pangea, and I can feed them fruit flies, so I don't need to worry about crickets. I got them maybe five years ago, and I've been breeding them consistently from there. And right do, now, are you selling any this trio. weekend? No, no. Well, I think Tails and Scales has some. Oh, okay. But typically wholesaling nowadays. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. that's a cool species. Yeah. You want to see that species a little more popular, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think like when I first got them, nobody had. Them. I no. got the one pair that I could find, and then I've sold a bunch of them, and a few of the people that I've sold to are breeding now as well. So you can definitely find them on Kijiji and other places yeah. nowadays. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when that uh, when when the price point gets to a manageable point, but still keeps them. Yeah. Not frivolous. Yes. You know, no one's um, going to say, oh, I want a blue gecko. So yeah, I'm going to yeah, spend yeah, $40 yeah. on something. And yeah. then, they, then they can be active in the hobby at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. A similar kind of conservation story. In the wild, they almost definitely will be extinct at yes, some point. Yeah. But they breed really well in captivity. So at least we can have them there. Yeah. Cool. Well, Dr. Brown, thank you very much for yeah, stopping by. This is fantastic. Me. We'll be, I mean, we'll be talking throughout the rest Excellent. of the weekend. But I know Good that you've got lots to do. Go back to looking at every single animal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll run into each other again. Sure. Yeah, thank we'll you very much. Soon. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thanks. All right, boys. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Come on down. I'm going to run away. It's a little bit quiet to hear you with your headphones on. Oh, uh, oh, I know. That's what so I much, back on. And there's so much noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's like. I'll talk a little louder. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it sounds okay. So as uh, as we switch guests here, I want anybody in the chat, just let me know how the audio is doing. We've got two, two new gentlemen joining us. Greg will be in and out the whole time. And uh, if there is any audio issues, please let me know. You guys can kind of get sort of close to the mics. You don't have to get super close. And then... Uh, so Greg, yeah, so if, uh, if Annalise is around, I don't know how she will be. So maybe Mark and Ken Okay, sounds good. Boys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having, having us. us. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, we got Brandon and Lucas from the Alberta Reptile and Amphibian Society. And we've had Brandon on before. Or do you, were you about to say something? Yeah, I've been here before. Uh, yeah. It was like last year, I think it was. Sometime? Yeah, yeah, was it before? It was after, no, before the expo last year. So some, maybe sometime yeah. in, this, in the spring last year. And uh, I, as I said to you guys, or to you, Brandon, last time, and I said to you earlier today, I think you guys are doing what like the, it's a perfect template for what 
amphibian and reptile societies should be because you're able to bring in money and then use the money for things. So why don't we just start with, let's start with the fact that it's the 40th anniversary next year, right? And yeah. so there's some exciting things surrounding that. Yeah, so next year's our uh, 40th anniversary, so we're really looking forward to that. We started in 1984, so that was before I was even born. So, <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty exciting to be part of an organization, especially in our industry that has been around for that long of a time. I think we are the second oldest society in Canada, next to the Ottawa Herb Society. I'm okay. just not unsure of their status. Um, but yeah, we've been around for a long time, and we're trying to improve every year on the things that we're doing. So. Our uh, slogan now is advocacy, conservation, education. So we're striving to do better and better on all those three topics every year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it, a, like you said, there's like his, history to it as well. So how long have you each been involved with it? I have been involved in the society since 2017. Okay. And I started about 2012. Okay, so coming up on oh, past a decade. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, next year is the 40th. So there's some exciting just money being raised and some projects that you're putting that money towards. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, for our 40th anniversary, we we're trying to raise $50,000 for two grants at the University of Calgary, one for conservation-based education and one for veterinary education. So in the exotics field, because yeah, yeah. we don't have a lot of exotics vets in the industry across Canada or North America. So we're trying to help fund that education. And I mean, it's so important that the people who, I always say this, like for the non-reptile keeping folk, you want them to look at us and go, wow, look at that organization. They've done this. They're actually funding conservation. They're funding uh, degrees or you know, whatever it is. It looks professional. It's what we want to see in society. And it makes us look good. Like no one's going to think you guys are weird snake people. It's people that are actually helping the community, yeah. which is so I mean, key. We do have weird snake people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't you can't necessarily get away from that. But no. uh, yeah. But we are trying to give back to the community and grow that community as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's so much potential, like with every herp society across really the world, there's a lot of, I think, left opportunities left on the table. So when people hear you're going to donate $50,000, I'm sure the first thing people are thinking is where the hell do you get $50,000? How, how are you guys generating enough money to be able to do that? So uh, we generate money from doing the expos ourselves. So we host our show twice a year. So we use some of that money. And we're also trying to crowdfund with doing 50-50 draws and mm -hmm. other stuff that we're trying to come up with to reach that goal for the end of next year. Yeah. Yeah, the Calgary Reptile Expo has been a very popular event uh, within Alberta. And um, it, it draws a lot of people there. And we're able to use 100% of the proceeds to fund our initiatives like the ACE program, the advocacy uh, conservation and education, but other um, endeavors that we're working on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah our organization is 100% volunteer ran, which is very hard to do for uh, reptile society because nobody gets paid for their work. How much work like, do you guys put in? You guys put a lot of uh, It's a part-time job. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. part-time. I take time off of work to do meetings with the government and all or sorts come of here stuff. Even, yeah, right? come here. Yeah, come um, here. Yeah. I took time off of work to come here. Um, it's dedication. It's uh, for me. It's a long game because I want to see the community grow and do well long term. Yeah. And without the effort that we're putting in, I have a feeling it wouldn't last as long as we would like it to. Totally. Well, and the other thing too, you guys have built a good relationship. Where I don't know how good, but a relationship with with the the politicians in the area too, right? Like you guys yeah. are working with government to help yeah. when thing bylaws come in, and that's huge. Yeah, in two thousand fourteen. Uh, in Alberta, most almost all of the dart frogs became restricted or illegal. Right. And uh, organizations like Taras, uh, Eris, which is the Edmonton Reptile Expo, our, our society, 
and other organizations banded together and worked with government officials to have that overturned. And we were successful at doing that. Yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, because so often it's like this contention between those two parties, right? Yeah. We hate the government because they put rules on us instead of there's no mediator between them. And you're able to fill that role. Yeah, we, we got to come to some sort of happy medium or the AR groups are just going to get what they want. So yeah, yeah. because they're, they got a lot more money and they're a lot more organized. So they're doing what they want. And uh, if we don't have anybody to intervene, they're just going to get their way. What, what's it like communicating with them? Like, is it weird? Or... <laughs> um, it, like, it was weird at first trying to establish those relationships and yeah, then, yeah. like, uh, telling them about what our organization does and having all these positive things that we do in place makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So, like, all the, the Rattlesnake Research Project that we're doing, the grant to the University of Calgary, the new grants that we're working on, and uh, all the other stuff that we're doing makes us look so much better in their eyes and that we're doing something for the community and for the environment, which plays a huge thing. Climate change is an ongoing issue. And mm -hmm. if we're not involved with that, that doesn't look good for us. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Uh, it comes off as just very self-interest, right? Like it's like, oh, they just keep animals yeah. because they want to keep it. There's no extra step, which I think you absolutely need. And that's what you guys like completely nail. And uh, so... How, how difficult is it to do the expo? Like when to, to put on the expo and to run the expo, is that a crazy amount of work or is it? That, that's a Lucas question. Yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible amount of work. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's now become a part-time job just putting on the Calgary Reptile Expo. Right. But uh, it, it's very rewarding because we're able to bring together a host of different um, like-minded individuals, both in vendors and patrons that are coming to the show yeah, uh, yeah. to check out these really cool reptiles. That's cool. Uh, tell me a little bit before we get more into Terrace, just about your own private keeping at home. What, what do you what do you keep at home? So I raise uh, dart frogs. Okay, you're a dart frog guy. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And and I know we've had you on before to talk about some projects. Are you still working on the same things? Or? Yeah, I still have uh, Madagascar giant hog noses. Some of my uh, other species unfortunately passed away. They were wild caught. So yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. how old they were. I've had them for about almost ten years. Some of them. So. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, my collection is dwindled down due to that. Um, but that's but, not a bad thing. But I still have some boas. I'm working on some cool displays for them. Just trying to downsize a little bit of my collection and provide better enclosures for my pets. I'm, I don't breed or anything because I find the value in uh, doing stuff for Terra's has more long-term value than just producing some snakes for the community. That is actually a really good point. And this is a point that I make quite often is sometimes reptile keepers, we want to do the next thing. So breeding is the next obvious thing and it's exciting and you get to, you know, maybe make some money and there's just a little bit of a extra challenge to the reptile, you know, community. But, you know, like you said, not, we don't always need more snakes and whatever it is. And so to find something that you can actually get that enjoyment out of, that's maybe not breeding. And I think uh, local societies is the perfect place to put that. Yeah, there's enthusiasm. lots of opportunity depending on how uh, your local organization is ran. And maybe it's not ran to the best of its ability. So if you have the skills, you can potentially change that. We'll, we'll pause for this. A, 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 there's an announcement about food. Wow. Aquaculture is a big thing over there. So it, imagine if someone's sitting at home right now and they are in a community that either doesn't have a society or has a kind of a maybe a quasi functioning one. What would be a, a tip to get that thing going? Uh, so that's actually a great question. Uh, our organization has been helping uh, other societies get started or rebuild across Canada. 
So we're helping them figure out the bylaws that they need, the stuff that they need to set up their organization properly and run, yes. and even funding. So as long as they're starting to put in the legwork, get registered and create bylaws, then we'll start helping them get funded. So yeah. that way they can pay for some of the stuff that they need to do. And we have resources from our own training on how to properly run nonprofits and right. give us ourselves better direction. And we're offering that to people for free because we want to see the community grow and nonprofits be successful. Yes. So, and we have some of the tools to help people with that. And we're willing to help people. So I've been helping other organizations get started. Uh, people up in Fort Mac are trying to start one, Grand Prairie. I've helped uh, Winnipeg Reptile Society get started. Yeah, yeah. Um, we offer... We use our we use Zoom for our meetings, and I let some other organizations do that so they can have their own meetings because they just don't have the funds to fulfill that right, right. now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the largest challenges that any society faces is apathy. A lot of people go, eh, "I'm busy," yes. or it's you know somebody else will do it. Um, and and that was one of the challenges I faced in 2014 when we were facing the dart frog ban was nobody was standing up to to say, "Hey, this is wrong. We need to have this changed." Um, and that's where I got heavily involved at that point yeah. to, uh, and to bring that forward. But that, that's something we struggle with every day is apathy. Yeah, people are interested in themselves. And that's the thing. You, But once you realize how much potential there is to grow and how, how much enjoyment you can get out of doing something like this, you probably realize, oh, it's kind of goofy to think, like, I want to stay in my own snake room and just do my own thing. Once you start experiencing, like, the broader context of the community, you probably feel like this is a much more important part of the part of the world. And, and taking it beyond yourself and right. for yeah. the younger generation coming in, right? You know, we all have stories of when we were little and that first interaction with a lizard or uh, an amphibian. But now with more urbanization and bigger cities and uh, a bigger population density, there's less of that happening. We're not running out to the creeks and to the lakes playing with these animals and learning about them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like a lot of biologist stories of, they had some reptile guy who brought some snakes and lizards to their school and they became a biologist later in life. Exactly. Right? So mm -hmm. That's how a lot of people got their experiences. And without that, a lot of people aren't going to have that. So that also brings up uh, a bill that's potential here in Canada, uh, the Jane Goodall Act, Bill S-241, mm -hmm. which is going to ban a lot of roadside zoos and uh, animal educators. So that's a big topic that we are currently working on with a lot of people in the industry. And uh, we might have to go testify against that law. That like in Ottawa, basically. In Ottawa. So that's the big game. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd have to, I'll be potentially going to testify against that that's on behalf crazy. of Western Canada. But if the societies didn't exist, you wouldn't have joined and you wouldn't have that opportunity to speak yeah. to the politicians and legislators legislators that are making these laws. Or the experience, right? Like you've already done the, bio, like you've worked on bylaws like Fort Mac, these dart frog things. Like you kind of know how it works. If you got thrown into, Ottawa, like you're kind of screwed. Yeah. It's intimidating. Yeah. It, it is very intimidating, especially even just on a municipal level of talking to people who don't necessarily understand this stuff. Because I've had to tell municipalities, they're like, hey, we're going to ban all exotics. I'm like, so you're banning Little Susie's guinea pig and Tommy's bunny rabbit. Hedgehog. And they just think they're banning tiger kings and people from <laughs> keeping bears and getting their faces ripped off by orangutans. Yes, but that, yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. Um, because like in Alberta, we're done provincial for legislation. So you can't own tigers and stuff legally. So that's a different entity that deals with that entirely. Right. 
Can, can you? Uh, we, we were talking before we were recording earlier today, just about the, the other thing that you guys talk about as well is just the safety and the you know the, yeah. the winter power outages, outages and so stuff like that. So one of our other programs, layer. part of education, is our uh, pet safety awareness program. So we started off with emergency pet stickers. So please save our pets. It's more inclusive for all reptiles. Do you want to grab one right there to show? Yeah. Yeah, you've seen these before on people's homes. You yeah, know, please save our pet. The camera's up on there. Fire. You can, you can and it only has a picture of cat or dog. With uh, these ones, we tried to be more inclusive. Add uh, birds, uh, reptiles, amphibians, spiders, just even, all sorts of even got fish on there. It's even got fish. How yeah. is the firefighter going to grab a cup? And <laughs> well, it, and the thing is, it's not all firefighters and rescue personnel. It's just knowing. feel comfortable, but yes. it's just it helps them know what they're going into and what their kind of priorities are going to be. Yep. Yeah. If and they see that there's a bunch of aquariums in a room, they might try to protect that room a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so we're developing on this program more with the city of Calgary and some other organizations for uh, best practices. So for breeders, it's going to be inspecting your equipment more often so you don't have a fire in your facility. Yep. Uh, for home people at home, heat tape, it does not last forever. It's kind of one of those things where you tape it to the bottom of your enclosure, you stack all your reptiles up and you forget about it. Yes. But all this equipment is being ran for 10, 12 hours a day heating and cooling and plastic doesn't last forever. So things fray. Um, there's equipment that does fail. Even if you have thermostats, there's Do still a high chance of it failing. For house fires, is it mostly heat tape in the reptile world? Is that um, the culprit? Yeah, heat tape does have a high chance of uh, catching on fire and burning the enclosure and potentially the animal inside. Yeah. Um, I've had an experience with that with six inch heat tape on an enclosure and it burnt through the PVC. Luckily, the animal's on the cool side, but that's still really scary because that could continue to burn potentially yeah well, and um, also knowing what kind of fire extinguisher and other stuff that you need for your uh, reptile room what if there's any sort of emergency fire is kind of the worst case scenario but what if your furnace kicks the bed and it's minus 30 yeah what kind of stuff should you have on hand to keep your animals warm if you're not going to have power for 24 hours or three days because yeah. a hot water tank is only going to last so long because you don't have power exactly it's a short-term solution yeah yeah, my wife was asking the other day, like, if, if if we lost power at, like, you know, a classic Manitoba blizzard, how long would we have before it would be a problem? I'm like... It, usually it's a few hours because yeah. they're usually good about it. But in a mass emergency situation, it could be days. Yeah, and you you would be cold in, I don't know, like a, eight hours, you'd, you'd be you'd be feeling cold. In yeah. 16 hours, you'd be, you'd be having problems. I exactly. had that situation happen to us. Uh, fortunately, the power wasn't out long enough, uh, but... I ended up getting a generator and hooking up some heaters just to warm up the rooms a little bit more to keep those animals safe. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, key. And like out east here, sometimes I get severe ice storms, mm -hmm. and that can knock power out for days because it's knocking out a lot of the grid system, right? So yeah, yeah. Take a look at the uh, ice storms of '95 in Montreal. Yeah, that took weeks to fix. Right. Yeah. And then there's other situations like up in Fort Mac, they had forest fires. They had to evacuate the whole town people could not go home to save their pets. So yeah. what kind of procedures can we help municipalities deal with that situation? Because they had volunteers going to people's homes. People's, there's people with 80 birds in their homes mm -hmm. or a bunch of reptiles. And some of those times those volunteers aren't comfortable dealing with that. Of course, yeah. And, and that's actually where those stickers come into play. So it's not necessarily the firefighter dealing with, with a, a crazy situation like that. It could be where the residents have had to abandon their home. And in Fort Mac, you're right, uh, people were not able to go home to save their pets. They were forced out of the city, but then uh, approved crews could come back and check for 
uh, residents that are still there, they'd see the sticker, see that there's multiple cats, dogs, uh, aquariums, and and hopefully be able to keep those alive or find new homes for them. Yeah, yeah. get someone to come down who's yeah. actually Even able to recently do Recently with the forest fires, uh, we got contacted about some snakes from Yellowknife. In, in BC, oh yeah, up north. Yellowknife, yeah. which was really surprising. They flew in on a charter plane and wow. uh, dropped here in Calgary. And uh, so it's very surprising on what people have in pretty remote locations or locations that just aren't uh, have more susceptible to fires or floods. Like Fort Mac flooded a couple of years later. So like, what yeah. can people be prepared for that? Because in your home, you might have all your reptiles in the basement and it floods out while you're doing the repairs where you can put your animals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live in a floodplain, but the town I lived in is diked, so it should be safe. But I did have water come in a window well at one point, and that made me think, okay, the first thing I did is get all the electrical off the floor. Like everything is up on the wall now, so, you know, it, it would have to be a catastrophe for the electrical yeah. to get wet. And then, you know, enclosures are tall enough where you, hopefully animals can get away. But you got to think about that stuff. You, you yeah. And, and a lot of the times we're stacking enclosures up and then our uh, outlets right behind the enclosures. It's not easy access. Yeah. And you're not thinking about it until, what's that smell? Is that burning plastic? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the problems with heat tape, it's unregulated and it's not CSA approved. Yes. So in the case of a house fire, that could cost you your entire insurance. Right, because it's just a, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, if it's not manufactured with the cord on it, it's usually not CSA or UL approved. So uh, there's companies out there that are making UL approved and CSA approved products. So you got to make sure that you're going to be able to be covered. Because yeah, because there's a lot it, of like DIY stuff that goes on with heat tape. Yep. Even and if you are purchasing it from a company that's building it for you to length, it's still DIY. Exactly. Yeah. DIY. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, DIY, it's yeah. not regulated by the CSA. Yeah. And then insurance will just be like, all right, we can't do anything about this. See you later. So yeah. you burnt your house down. What are you going to do? But you're right, too. Like a lot of these enclosures are like rack systems. They come in with the um, with the tape embedded and nobody replaces that. It's just sort of that's how it, it is. Like yeah. You're always going to use that tape. So you were saying that you, you, you thought the 12-inch tape was safer. Yeah, in my experience, okay. it's been safer. Um, but like the smaller sizes seem to have more issues. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if it's just the manufacturing process or not. But I'm trying to get away from heat tape because of the fire issues yeah. and the potential hazard. And I'm guilty of this too. Stack a bunch of enclosures, put heat tape on it, and forget about it. Exactly. And then yeah. it's a hassle to get at it because I got 100 pounds of rocks yeah. and substrate in there. And yeah, it's yeah, a pain yeah. in the ass to get to and hard to maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are up to some amazing work. Uh, I'm happy to see you guys both here and, and being able to interact with the public and you're giving out these stickers. So anybody who is going to be at the show, you can come to my booth or the Terrace booth and you can get those stickers and information about them. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we I let you on your way? Definitely tell everybody where they can find more info about you. You can find us on Facebook at the Alberta Reptile Amphibian Society, albertareptiles.ca, Alberta Reptiles on Instagram. Uh, follow our Facebook page for our expo, follow Calgary Reptile Expo. I think one of the things, the last things I'd leave with is that uh, if you're considering joining the society, stick around. We need bodies more than anything. The money is the easy part. It's getting the bodies and the people to do the work. Yeah, and the if commitment. you are leading the society, give tasks to people. They want to work. Mm. Give them something to do. Don't hoard it just for a few individuals. Yeah. That's and, a really good and point. And sometimes tasks too or uh, objectives of the organization take a year, a couple of years, but break them into small subjects that you can attain. Yeah, and then yeah. people feel accomplished with those tasks. He's like, hey, we reached $10,000 or $50,000 grant. That's a big landmark, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't get dis discouraged when, when people are coming at you going, oh, you're not doing enough or you haven't done anything. 
you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. yeah. Continue to do that. And if anybody wants help with uh, setting up an organization or trying to figure out a better plan for theirs, feel free to contact us. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, this was great. Thank you so much for coming by. I'll see you for the rest of the weekend, but this is awesome. So anybody, go check them out. And uh, that was amazing advice at the end there. So perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having us. All right, guys. We'll see you later. You ready? Come on over. How's it going? Yeah, you might want some water. Yeah, come take a seat, Annalise. Um, maybe go here. It's a little bit better. Yeah, it's a little like farther away from the noise. Let me okay. just check in with the... Uh... All right, everybody. Hopefully, we're still going well. Please let me know if uh, if there are any audio issues and um, just put in the chat so we can take a look. But anyway, Annalise, Hi. welcome to uh, the live show. Thank you. We were, we were going to do this for a little while, so I'm glad we were able to you yeah. know sit down and actually do it. But we'll do a real one. This we'll is do just, a real one this too. is a fun one, but we'll do a real one as well at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's been a while. I saw you last year here, obviously. Um, are you done school? Or are you are you what, what grade? I'm homeschooled. Yeah, I know. I, and my channel is most of my school, so yeah. it kind of never ends. Okay, but you'll eventually graduate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so is that this year or? Uh, that's next year. So okay. technically, I'll be going into like grade eleven this year. Okay. But okay. yeah. See, uh, so let everybody know your channel quick. Okay, so I am the All Canadian Reptile Girl on YouTube. Um, I do fun educational videos about reptiles, snake biology, uh, lizard stuff too. Uh, and I have a bunch of reptiles at home. Some of them kind of rare, others pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason I was asking where you are in school is because as people listening now, it's really hard to pinpoint how old you are because you sound so <laughs> mature. Like you're, you're, you're always, even last year, you sound like you've, you've lived the whole life. Well, thank you. Uh, I turned 16 la this March, this yeah. past March. So I'm 16 and a half years old. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're up to lots of cool stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, so why don't you just give a quick rundown of what you actually have at home? Okay. I have a few corn snakes. I have a Schneider skink. I have a ball python. You know, kind of the basics. Uh, then I also have like chameleon geckos. I have dumerals boas and bearded dragons. Um, let's see. What else do I have? Two cats. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I include the cats. Yeah. Cats are great. Um, I also have a couple of crested geckos, a, a little baby, or not baby, but in my mind, she's still a baby, little leopard gecko. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of reptiles, but most notably are my Dumeril's boas and my Macklet's pythons. Yes. Um, I do a lot of stuff with my Macklet's pythons because they are really such an underrated species and they are so intelligent. Yeah, they are super underrated. And, and A, they're very beautiful to look at as well. Like yes. they have a very strange color. And I actually, because I watched your video on them, and I, I thought they got a lot bigger than they do, but they're still relatively small. They're not a huge animal. Well, um, so when we first got our first Macklet's Python Hobbs, he was about six and a half feet. Okay, and as an all of the sources at the time said males six and a half feet is kind of big for them, maybe seven if it's a big male. And, you know, females might get up to nine, but then again, more seven to eight feet. Yeah, yeah. Hobbs is eight and a half feet long. Uh, and he hasn't really stopped growing. Oh my gosh! Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, the information out there on Macklet's python is on Macklet's pythons is not very substantial, and a lot of it is older. Right. Because they kind of went out of um, sort of popularity a little while back, and I'm pretty sure that was because a lot of people were not keeping them correctly and enriching enough homes. Because they, so they were kind of out at their keepers. Yeah, they were kind of classified as like snippy snakes. Right? Yes, and yeah. I noticed that they get more snippy the less enrichment they have, the less um, 
stimulation they have, the more angry they get. Interesting. Because they are just so intelligent. It's like a dog. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. that, in terms of that, like you keep a dog in a bathroom for the majority of its life. Of course, it's going to bite you when you open the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really... So what, what drew you to them? Like, why did you decide to get into that species? Uh, well, you know, we didn't really mean to. Mm. So there's this pet store in Montreal. And we is that where you're there. from? Are you from Montreal? I'm. My dad is from Montreal. Okay, okay, so okay. he's French Canadian. He likes to say, don't worry, he got better. Um, <laughs> so I have family in Montreal. And whenever we go and visit them we'll stop by that cute little pet store. And we've been doing this for years since before I got into the hobby, since, literally since I was a small child. Okay. Um, and we went there and we had had a few snakes at home already. And we saw Hobbs and we just fell in love with him. He was so sweet. He was so curious. He gave us hugs because he was like the first like arboreal snake that we've had, yeah, yeah. that we held. Um, and we just kind of had to get him. And then we kind of got to know him and then we got uh, Callie, his girlfriend. So was the intention always to breed? Not really, oh, no. okay. Especially when we got him, we were like, well, maybe. But he's just such a sweet snake that we just kind of just wanted him, especially as a pet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And he's he's so amazing. He's great for birthday parties and stuff like that. He loves meeting new people. That's and cool. people don't believe me when I say that, but he literally loves meeting new people. <laughs> like, he'll reach out to someone and go like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so he's Is so the female good. similar as far as behavior? Yes. Okay. So she's actually younger than him. Okay. I think she's like, yeah, she's like four or five years old, whereas Hobbs is like six. He's seven now. Um, he's seven years old now. I can't believe that. Um <laughs> So they're a little bit different in age, which means that she is still a bit smaller than him. But she did have 18 healthy eggs. Yes. Um, and 17 of those eggs hatched into healthy babies, which was incredible. Um, but yeah, no, she's very similar in temperament. So sweet, still curious and active and smart and tuned into everything. Yeah, that's she's cool. She's fantastic. Well, maybe you'll start the new re revolution, get that species back on that. Well, I hope so. I mean, if you look up Macklet's Python, my care guide is like the only thing that comes up. Yes, so and it's the first thing that comes up. So I mean, and I know a couple of people who got Macklet's pythons, like Josh, um, Josh Waters, um, from I think he changed his name. Josh's exquisite snakes or serpents, serpents. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he in the UK, he got uh, Macklet's python, his his Jennifer, and he got that one because of Hobbs. And oh, that's cool. Absolutely in love with Jennifer. She's such a sweet snake too. That's awesome. Yeah. So so tell tell the listeners about the little experiment you did with the hatchlings that okay. was pretty cool so we had 17 little babies that hatched out of those eggs and Callie was a great mom she didn't give us any fuss when we went to take the eggs out of the enclosure um one of the babies did go to adam wiccan so we ended up with 15 babies for the uh little experiment or 16 babies for the little experiment sorry can't count apparently <laughs> um so what we did was we broke them up into three groups Four snakes were no touch other than for like regular maintenance and to make sure, you know, they're healthy and alive. But other than that, do not touch. Then there were three bins or sorry, six snakes in a handled three times a week. Okay. And then there was handled every day, which was another six snakes. And, you know, I actually learned a lot about how to handle those babies well in a way that works well with them. But I also learned a lot about, you know, their temperament and how it changes. And even though they are still very, very cage defensive after this experiment, which granted only lasted two weeks because we didn't want anyone else to fall too far behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's such an incredible difference. 
So at first, we would take out the babies and we'd get bitten in the enclosure a bunch, as is customary with baby snakes. Yeah. Um, and then we would hold them and we would still get bitten while we were being while we were holding them and handling them. But now with the handled every day at least, they look calm down once they're out of the enclosure. They get less cage aggressive yeah. and defensive. Um, and I find that even the difference between the three times a week and the every day is insane. The really? three times a week, they seem more calm once they're out. However, in the enclosure, they are so defensive and they're like immediately back into a strike pose as soon as the bin is open and yeah, they're yeah. striking at everything. That's yeah. cool. So when you said you learned a lot about handling baby snakes, what did you learn? Well, you know, I never really handled a lot of arboreal baby snakes before. They've all been like baby corn snakes and rat snakes working at the pet store, which rat snakes and corn snakes will climb, yes, but yeah. not like a Macleod's python. They don't grip. Yeah, like an they arboreal. They don't grip. Yeah. Right. And um, I got to say, the babies are kind of dumb at the same time <laughs> as being incredibly intelligent because, well, I learned how to take them out of the enclosure while minimizing as many bites as possible for their sake and mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd like to bleed as little as possible exactly. throughout this experiment. Yeah. But if you can distract them with one hand and just go around slowly and like almost imagine as your hand is like a snake hook. Yes. Okay. And you just like pick them up and they're fine. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't really know how to do that before. So I learned how to handle them better. And because they're such an active and keyed in snake, I noticed that a lot of the times, if you just let them sit still in your hands, they would go back into that defensive mode. Right. So you kind of have to make them move and keep them going so that they would like stay curious and yeah, less yeah. afraid which was very interesting to me to sort of figure out yeah that's cool it reminds me i someone was telling me before doing like catching wild emerald tree boas just mm. to take photos of and using yeah. their phone is kind of the same thing like the phone throws off a lot of heat signature so using the phone as a distraction basically yeah and then to pick them up and you know it keeps them focused on something without having to feel like they gotta bite you yeah and it might seem counterintuitive but baiting them with that hand over here and scaring them with it almost because it's this is the target now Ended up with less bites than just reaching in and picking up and trying to be quick about it. Right. Which to me was very counterintuitive given that I'm trying to make them go over here. You're holding Why are their they just striking yeah. over here then? It was very interesting. So and obviously the end goal is to have a clutch of babies that you can sell to people who are going to get a, a hobs, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, the thing with Macleod's Python Macleod's Pythons is kind of like universally they're going to try and kill you until they get about four feet long four to six feet long <laughs> okay. and then they're sweethearts and they mellow out so hence the reputation so, then That's yeah. Kind of, yeah and you know i think that will be somewhat true especially when the, with them in the enclosure but i think that there is also a clear distinction between the effect that handling has on them even even as babies sure they're still going to be bitey but yeah. It's a lot less bitey if you handle them all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. So will your goal to be to sell them relatively soon? Like you don't want to have 15 four-foot <laughs> Macleods? Yes. We uh, actually have someone tomorrow who is going to be buying a baby Macleods python from us, which oh, cool. I'm super excited about. Um, don't worry. It's from the handled every day group. <laughs> we wouldn't give them one of the demon ones who yeah. were never handled. Um <laughs> But yes, so we are going to be selling them fairly soon. Um, yeah, we actually have a few that are spoken for already. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm awesome. really excited about this yeah, and that's, future that's really clutches cool. from them. So can you, you had already mentioned that your YouTube channel is kind of part of your school. Mm -hmm. And so you're homeschooled, so you do a lot of, obviously you, you do your schooling at home. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like it's like, 
I talked to your parents and you about this last year because yeah, there's yeah. this um, archetype of the homeschool kid who's like shy and reclusive, and and you're like <laughs> the to- total opposite of anybody who thinks yes. of a homeschool kid. So tell us about like what, what you do for school. Well, what I do for school is a lot of this, and you know. You wouldn't think that having a YouTube channel would be so educational, but it really is. Everything from the technical side of things with lighting and camera angles and operating camera and editing and posting and in like social media stuff and all of that. But there's also geography, like where this animal comes from and the temperature and humidity yes, there yeah. and all of this and the geography of the landscape and that and then there's the biology of the animals themselves which can be so interesting and you can deep dive and go like oh i'm just gonna look up how this tortoise shell works and then all of a sudden you're looking at ancient reptiles and <laughs> the evolution of snakes might be lizards because evolution yeah, yeah, yeah. broke up. And so yeah it's it's crazy how much you can just learn from a deep dive like that yeah it's it's super cool i mean it, it gives you the flexibility to do something mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't work for everybody but I think it's a really cool model mm-hmm. to learn and like be part of the community as well. And the it channel's is, doing yeah. it so great. And Thank you. And I mean, it also gives me the opportunity to reach out into my community in different ways than if I was going to high school. And I know a lot of misconceptions about homeschooling is, well, how will your child get socialized? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, look at me. I'm fine. I'm yeah. socialized. I'm socializing. That's right. She's in a I'm huge room. Great. And yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I, I've become like, I'll go into summer camps and do stuff for summer camps and stuff like that. We actually did it for the Museum of Strathroy this past summer. And I'll end up teaching little kids about these animals, which is so interesting that I've come that far from learning all of this stuff to the point where now I have enough information that I can start teaching four-year-olds and six-year-olds about these incredible animals. And yeah, it's kind of helped me. My presentation skills with this YouTube channel have certainly skyrocketed compared to where I started when I was 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah don't ever go back and watch anything from like a year ago. No, further me, me back. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's not good, but you know, it's good to see the progression. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, are you lurking, Greg? Do you want to jump back in? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, do you see yourself going into an education career or, or do you think that far or are you just enjoying um, what's going on right now? I'm not really certain as to where I want to go with this other than I do want to work with animals and reptiles. I might want to go into animal behavioral sort of sciences. Uh, I might want to become an exotic veterinarian. I'm not entirely certain, okay. but I do know I want to work with animals, specifically reptiles and birds and all that stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Annalise, thank you so much for stopping by. I know you're, you, you got a busy day. I think you're doing some other. Are you doing anything else today as far as work? Um, doing some stuff for the expo, hosting some hosting duties. Uh, I think I'm done most of those now, though. And then uh, tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure. But tomorrow I have to do it all over again. And I have to film stuff for my own video for the expo. As I have That's only right. filmed the intro and one tiny section. And you're so. at, uh, the, are you at Exoterra tomorrow? Exoterra yes, booth? I will be at the Exoterra booth from 11 to 1 uh, tomorrow, Sunday. Okay. And I'll be at the expo all day tomorrow. Okay, so if anyone's going to come today or tomorrow, they yes. still have a chance to meet you and, yeah. and interact with you. And yeah, it's weird because I'm, I'm so used to, I never record live. So I'm always like, oh, when they hear this, it's going to be like a month <laughs> yeah. from now. But no, yeah. tomorrow you can come meet Annalise. Yeah. So that'll so be So please cool. come say hi, people. Yeah. And uh, one more time, the channel. Oh, all Canadian reptile girl on YouTube and on Instagram. Uh, I don't have a TikTok or other social media, Smart. just YouTube and Instagram. Smart. Cool. Smart all right. idea. All right, yeah. Annalise, thank you so much. That thank was awesome. You. We'll yeah. see you throughout the day. Yeah, yes, I'm that sure was fantastic. We will. Yeah, thank all you right. so much. Thank okay, you. Bye bye. All right, bye.
was awesome. Thanks, man. Mark, come on. That was good. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll come chat once we're all done here. Yeah, on yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes, I know she is very well spoken. That's why yes. it, it's weird. Like you talk to Annalise, and you're like, "Are you 30? Like, like she just sounds so mature. Yes, it's yeah. so confusing. She's yeah. like, "I just turned 16." I'm like, "How does that make sense?" I, no, I know it blows my mind whenever I actually realize. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. How's the show going so far? Uh, it, it busy enough at this point. Yeah. And so. we took you away from your table, so you're missing out on sales <laughs> right now. Yeah. Is somebody watching for you? Uh, James has got me covered. Okay, so I, I I appreciate him. Yeah. Good, <laughs> yeah. good, good. Tell us uh, tell us who you are and, and your business. Uh, yeah. So uh, my name is Mark Brunston. Uh, business is Can Geckos. So specifically working with leopard geckos, Eubulpharis uh, macularia species. Um, really, I've, so I was into reptiles ages and ages and ages ago. And I say that because you know, I'm, I'm over 40 now. Mm-hmm. Um, got out of it, started a family, got bored during COVID. So 2020 is oh, oh, when I kind of brought in all of my breeders and got back into the reptile. Were hobby. you leopard gecko before? Um, so I had, I did leopard geckos before, really kept them as, as pets and I bred them as a hobby at the time, okay. never marketed or had a company, um, more so it was snakes, uh, back in geez, probably 2005 until about 2010 when I got out. Okay. Um, so ball pythons, carpet pythons, green tree pythons, and it wasn't that I was breeding and, and, uh, marketing them at all. It was really a passion. I love snakes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Now, why leopard geckos is the next question that somebody yeah. would logically ask. <laughs> yeah, you read um, my mind. N- number one, I've got a young family. So wife, three kids, uh, eight is my oldest, and then two five-year-old twins. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, all girls. I'm <laughs> oh. busy, but I'm not allowed to have snakes. Yeah, okay. So I'm in the same boat, to <laughs> yeah. be honest with you. My yeah. wife is like, you can have your crazy animals, but no snakes in that well, And that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. So no, that's, yeah. So no, work it, with what you have. Yeah. The, and the agreement my wife made was, you know, like, all right, you can get back into reptiles if, if, if that's a passion, but I don't want to smell them <laughs> yeah. in the house. Yeah. Um, and, and they're not going to impact us, right? Yeah. From yeah. either a financial <laughs> I don't want to know that they're here. Balance yeah. perspective. Yeah. yeah. My so, wife felt the same until my, until my Savannah started free roaming. <laughs> <laughs> Why is a dinosaur yeah. in the laundry room? Yeah. <laughs> Like she's in the bookshelf again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what you got back. So, was there something specific that drew you to leopard geckos, or they just kind of fit that bill? Uh, so, I, I always enjoyed leopard geckos, but um, it, geez, it was probably like before I got got back into it. My niece wanted a leopard gecko. She was. 14, 15 at the time. And I started looking for one for her because I knew where to get one 10 years ago. I must still know. No, all those old forums are shut down where you used to buy reptiles when I was into it. All the forums are shut down. Yeah, exactly. So, but the more research that I did, the more that I saw that, you know, like leopard gecko, there's not a tremendous amount going on in Canada right now. Like that was booming when I left. Mm. And, you know, like a lot of the different breeds had just started coming out. Like an enigma had just been discovered in in leopard geckos when I was getting out. That's how far back it goes. And don't work with enigmas. Like if anybody's working with enigmas, don't buy from that breeder. But um, so 
there wasn't a tremendous amount. And then the further I went down the rabbit hole, what I found is what was available in Canada wasn't stuff that I even trusted genetically. So um, in, in terms of knowing all of the possible hets that are in that animal um, and, and the way that the, the lines that are being worked with. So I went down the rabbit hole. I got her a nice pet animal, but I, on my side, went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> what she and, thought was a simple pet. You're like, well, I gotta, it's going to take me four weeks to find some right? blood. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but no, I started looking at the different breeders that are out there and what they've done with leopard geckos. And I imported all my lines from the States. So from, from gecko boa, suburban geckos. Um, I got a couple from Ron Tremper's legacy line when he was getting out, selling off to his collection to Julie Bergman, who's taken over. Okay. Um, and, and that's where I knew that I could trust all those genetics, right? Like a, a no head animal was truly a no head animal. And with leopard geckos, this is critical because there's three different lines of albino that you don't cross and muddy the waters, right? Yes. There's eye traits. There's the snows that can't, there shouldn't be crossed because you can't tell them visually apart. Right. To know what that animal is. Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Because I would go about it the same way as you were, but I, I can imagine it would feel like you open everything up and you're like, oh, this is a rat's nest. Like there's no way to actually get to the bot, like to find a base layer yeah. here of animals that are good to work with because it's just a disaster. Yeah. But you did find like, so you those animals that you pulled up were clean and they were good to work with. It, well, and that's it. Right. Yeah, but yeah. I had to spend a lot more money to bring in my breeders yes. to import those mm-hmm. animals from the States. Yeah. Like yes. I'm paying us market prices i'm paying the importing fee i'm paying the taxes and exactly and you know it's funny like i I don't have any us sales yet with my own business because every time that somebody in the states reaches out for beautiful animal that's a a good marketable price they're like it'll cost how much to bring it into the states no thanks it's like all right see ya yeah Yeah. exactly that's that's the cost it's just what it is yeah Yeah. (laughs) But that, I mean, it's so, it's so crucial. And I think, you know, Greg and I were talking about this earlier, how easy it is for people to jump into the breeding world and, and kind of put the cart before the horse. Yeah. And then we end up with an animal, like you can't reverse its genetics. Once yeah. it's there, that's it. Like well, there's no way to get, you yeah. can't use that animal for anything besides a pet. There's nothing wrong with a pet. That's totally fine. But you can't use it to breed. Well, and, and that's it. And, you know, like every animal that I work with, I brought in from the States with the exception of two. I brought, I have two animals that I've kept isolated because I wanted to work with a specific tangerine line and work that back into uh, the, the Mandarin gecko genetics line that I had from the States. Um but I was diligent in keeping the male female separated outside of this one project and then testing that male against the, uh, the, the, the het traits that could be in it. Right. Like right. are the albinos in there? Yeah. And this year I proved that original male that was supposed to be a not, no head animal as being het for Tremper. Right. Oh, okay. So it, now I'm going down the rabbit hole with him. If I've got to test him to bell albino, rainwater albino, eclipse, and everything else, just to be sure and secure. Tremper was the most likely. I popped it out, but right. I proved the point on why I went stateside for the animals that I wanted to be able to trust yeah. because the one that I bought in Canada had hats that weren't. So what do you to be do, there. like? The, the offspring you can't use, right? They're, no, ultimately, that's they're just their, pets. Their, 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 their pets. They definitely have that one head in them. And uh, and then at that point, I just keep testing him out. Yeah. He's worth testing out. 
the female's not. Right. Because yeah, the yeah. female, by the time that I test her out over the course of the next five years, she's getting towards the, the end of her breeding cycle. Right. So the time you'll see right. her on my table being sold off for exactly what she is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's there's not enough people that approach it that way, though, no. right? Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know if you saw the uh, episode I did with Rebecca Hassler, which from Dragoon Gecko, and she's very much like that. Like, the blood has to be clean, it has, and, and you're not just willy-nilly pairing things. It's I can imagine how much fun it is to look for new morphs and create new things and to work yeah. on lines, but you can get so carried away with it without worrying about the health of the animal that it just goes downhill. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's the thing, especially with all the lime breeding that happens, you've got to watch for different things to start popping out. Yeah, and yeah. you can only go so far before you need some fresh blood in there. Exactly. Right. Like, exactly. Uh, and I'm at, I'm at generation three right now on my firebold line um, that stem back to the same male great grandfather now um so this is the end of this line for me as far as i'll go with it before i bring in new blood while keeping that line pure as a firebolt i can still import in a new firebolt male to replace the one i've been using so can you tell us a little bit about some of the main morphs that you focus on the fire like i don't know anything about leopard Uh, morphs yeah so firebolt is ultimately like this is is one of the males that i have here Greg, could you hold that up to the camera a little bit it's up it's up there there it is so it, it it's a tangerine colored animal that also has bold patterning on it yeah. um and wow. he's he's very very tangerine the bold will either stay through the as it ages or it'll fade underneath which you can see he used to have a bold stripe down there that's faded out um but he, that that came from gecko boa really made them what they are today for the lime bread trade it originated over in italy and he took over the project um i can't remember all the lines that are in it but you're talking electric tangerine bold bandit that have all been crossed into that line so that's one of the primary ones that wasn't being worked with in canada at all i brought them in and we're we'll start seeing those pop up more and more outside of just me can geckos marketing them and selling them because people see those i hold it's a cool looking gecko like yeah. and you come and look at some of the babies on the table and how bold they are this is a representation of what an adult will look like right the, yeah, the yeah. babies they're they're much more bold and much more contrast right yeah yeah um so yeah the, the fire bolts um i i brought in cypher which is the one of the newest recessive traits this year um and i'm working with that so i've popped out a double uh, recessive uh tremper albino cypher this year so really really excited for that project that's cool um yeah are, are there know. things that you look for like obviously like we said we're working on morphs you're working on lines you are have the potential to bring out you know homozygous traits that are not good so are there certain things that you watch for to make sure you're not bringing it like you know perpetuating issues with the animals it, it, yeah so i mean it, it, tail size animal size um head size and yeah i'm just gonna call a spade a spade like i last last year i hatched out three animals that out of 10 from a from sets of clutches that all had double feet and like you they all had four legs but it, it almost looked like a spider foot coming off of three wow. out of 10. The first one is like, that's weird. That's some incubation temperature fluctuations. Something's gone wonky, real weird. 
second one popped out all right what what's going on <laughs> yeah. here this might be genetic the yeah. third one it's like that's it yeah, yeah you guys are done that's it's it yeah like it, that you guys are no longer breeders at this point yeah because there's something genetic going on there that's yeah, yeah. causing that to happen <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and so you need that you need to have that eye and i'm sure and then, that, well, <laughs> then if you can at that point can you like if you still have the parents then you can back up a line and it, and, and then mix something in at that yeah. point and and that's exactly it so, okay but, cool yeah, yeah. It, now, what do you, because you're a very thorough person, obviously. You do this yeah. in a thorough way. You spend all the time importing animals. When you sell any of these animals, they yeah. can end up in a willy nilly. Like, do you feel bad? Like, not bad. I'm not even sure what the right emotion would be, but you probably feel like, oh, like you don't know where that's going to go. And is, are they going to use that animal to mess up bloodlines elsewhere? Yeah. What can you, do? you can't do anything about it. You, you know what? You, you can't do anything about that. You can't control where where people are going to get animals from. I mean, over time, you can educate when they come. But I, I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and badmouth any other individuals that are doing this or yeah, yeah. steer somebody who's thinking about it towards or away from anybody else. I'll let my animals speak for themselves. And I'm very clear about what the genetics are on my animals. Yeah. When you walk by my table and you look at an animal, every possible het is written on that label. Yes, yeah. Very small possible het that my firebolts have tremper in it. I've tested my original male against tremper year over year over year. I've never popped one out. I'm 99% sure, but I'm not removing that label. Yes, yeah. It, like That's key. Um, so, it, yeah, it... Uh, Outside of that, I've refused sales to people, not because, you know what, they, they might muddy lines. I know where I'm going to buy stuff from. It's more so that I don't trust what they're going to go and how they're going to habitat that animal. Yeah. Yes. How is that more animal. Issues, more care issues. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. You know? Oh, I'd issues. like to buy three from you. They can go together. No, they can't. You yeah. can buy one. Yeah, uh, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And in fact, maybe you should buy none. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean that we see that a lot, and then that's you know that is always one of the issues with an event like this, right? Because somebody yep. can come in and just walk out with something that they didn't think they were going to buy, well, but you do have a higher price tag so that kind of shields these animals from that a little bit, it, yeah, which I think helps. But yeah, it's a it's a kind of a funny world. Do you have any goal? Like, are you? Is it just leopard geckos? Do you have anything else at home? Only leopard geckos oh, at wow. this point. I mean, I'd I'd love to explore into something else along the way, but that's just not where I'm at right now, and yeah. that's not what I'm set up for. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I wouldn't be doing myself or that other species justice. Yeah. I've I've explored a lot of other species, and at some point, I'm sure that I will, but not yet. Yeah. yeah. So so what's that's your good? It's it's actually yeah. good to know that of yourself. You know. A lot of us can't say that. It, yeah. You know, there's a, a lot of people will just kind of venture down. Well, and that's it. You yeah. know what? I used to be the yeah. the one buying at all these shows. Yeah. And every show I'd come home with something new. And I remember I went home with frilled dragons once. <laughs> and man, those are awesome. Oh, those yeah. are such a yeah. cool, fun animal to have. But after a couple of years, I realized that, that I'm not right for this animal in yes. the stage of life that I was in and the care I could provide for that animal that needs some very specific care requirements. Yes. And I let those beautiful animals just to go to yes. somebody who you knew could it, yeah. care for them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it can become, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, addictive. It's, it's very addictive. I think it's, we were talking about this earlier this morning, like the, the type of personality of people who get into this, we are very like, uh, like fixated yeah. on things. And it's so easy to get just like, you turn on to something and you can't turn your brain off. Like I was telling my wife the other day, having a brain like this is like kind of like a prison sometimes because yeah. sometimes you can't, even if you leave the reptile room, like 
it doesn't leave you. It's like you're just constantly. Oh thinking. yeah, it's on repeat. Yeah, you're, you're just thinking about every yeah. possible thing, and that it can be a really punishing feeling too. So if you can give yourself like click uh, a strict boundaries, like I'm sticking here. Yeah, that's probably pretty helpful. Well, yeah, and then not just species that I work with, but the numbers that I'll produce each year. Right. right? Yes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I set out a number, and my number last year was around 70 and I produced 75 last year. Okay. This year, my number was, I won't exceed a hundred. I'm going to finish off. I think it'll be about 85 this year. Okay. Which, That's perfect. Good. Great. Yeah. It was a weird year this year. Like with the temperature fluctuations in February and March, I found that my animals went in and out of, um, uh, of, uh, ovulation. Interesting. And it, it messed up some of I've, my females. I've chatted with a few people it, this year it, who've who've said things that produce consistently didn't even produce this year. Yeah, and, and yeah. And James not, was saying that too, right? And it's yeah. not that the temperatures in my enclosures are any different. I really genuinely believe it was just the external fluctuation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I it, think I think the pressure system, all that, exactly. has to do with it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a ton of heat in May and June in, yeah. in Manitoba. And then July and August was like fall temperatures. It was very weird. Okay. So it was like, yeah. yeah. When, I mean, the animals pick up on all that for yeah. sure. Yeah. What, um, so what is your setup like? Like you have a, do you have a room, a breeding room or a basement? Or- yeah. So I, I've taken over the entire basement yeah. basically. Haven't and we all? <laughs> it, yeah. And, and I've, it just I've, goes like this. I, yeah. I custom build all of my own racks okay. um, because I'm, I don't believe in spending the amount of money that those things yeah. cost when I can build that myself. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're handy, you might <laughs> yeah. as well do it. That, that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. Like I, I can custom build a rack that'll, that'll house 20 adults for 200 bucks. Yeah. If I was yeah. to go and try to buy that, that, that rack would cost me 800 right now. Yeah. Minimum, minimum, minimum. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, Mark, this was this was great. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with? Like, definitely make sure we uh, say your, the brand name again. But is there any other reptile or uh, leopard gecko things that that uh, you want to share? Uh, no, I I think I've kind of shared. Yes, the, he could the, keep talking forever. Oh, I yeah. could. Yeah. I really could. I see James lurking in the shadows. <laughs> right? yeah. like, poor James over at the table. I'll get yeah. back there. But th- thank you so much for having me on. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, Mark Brunston, can geckos come check us out. And, yeah, uh, if you're here at the expo, go, go say hi to Mark and, uh, go check him out on your on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, okay. can geckos. Awesome. All right, Mark. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll come see your table in a little bit. Cheers. Awesome. See you later. <laughs> All right. Hey Nick, how's it going? Good to see you. What's up? Or just doing a live. You're gonna run. Um, you're leaving. I think we'll get James on. on. Do you want to come on a little bit? Yeah. yeah, you can hang around. If you want to do a lap or something, you can. And then uh, we'll, we'll chat with James for ten minutes or so. And hey, Chris. Chris. Yeah, he's good. Okay, come on over, bud. Yeah, please do. Yeah. All right, guys. We're almost getting to the end of our uh, our hour and a half. It went by so fast. All right, James, sit down, buddy. We might have to adjust this for you. Can I get you to talk into that for me? Hello. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Excellent. So, James, how are you enjoying the show so far? It's pretty good. It's a huge show. It is huge. So, you, uh, as far as I understand, you seem to help out at a lot of these shows. I know your dad's over behind us yeah. helping with Understory. Usually with Cons. Understory, yeah. Yeah. So, you must look forward to these. Yep. Mm. Because I'm from Manitoba, so we have like one or two expos a year. So this is a huge one. But I know here you guys are doing like every month almost. Yeah. And you got to miss school yesterday or did you have to go to school? No, we came this morning. Oh, you came this morning. Okay. We so, woke up at 4.30. Okay. So you're up, you're up early. So, But 
you have too much energy, so you're not going to get tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, like, you keep reptiles at home. Yeah. And do you remember, because I, I very rarely interview someone so young. So a lot of times I ask people what got them into reptiles and they go, oh, way back then. So this is pretty fresh for you because how old are you? I am 10. You're 10. So think about that yeah, so you can't have been in reptiles for more than a few years. So what got you into it? My dad. Your dad, so okay. When I was four, he, we went out to a store called Menagerie. Okay. He went there, I think, when he was a kid. Um, and so the, he was thinking about getting like a gecko or something. At that time, he had no no reptiles or amphibians at home? No, but as okay. a kid, he did, yeah. Okay, okay. So we decided to get a crested gecko. He took care of it then. Now I do. Yeah. We named him Martin. <laughs> awesome. He's pretty old. Yeah. Well. No morphs. No morphs. Just a He's just a way classic. older than me. Yeah. Well, I have a I have a, a crested gecko that's almost twice as old as you. He's eighteen. So. He's... Ours we think is around like fifteen, maybe. Okay, so he's getting up there too. So that's where it started for you. And then, did you have a fascination right away? Like, were you like, I, I, I'm really interested in this, or did you it have to grow on you? It took a little bit to grow, but I was very interested in it. Yeah. So my dad said, apparently, according to my parents, as soon as I could walk, I was catching animals. Mm. So. And yeah. since then, you have had, you have expanded the group of animals that you care yeah. for. So what else do you have at home? I have a Argentine horn frog, Florida king snake. Pink-bellied side neck turtle with a couple of gold barbs and cichlids. Okay. And I have some orange or powder orange ice spots. Okay, excellent. Do you help your dad with the frogs at all? Yeah, he yeah, has lots do. of frogs. Yeah, he's, he's got the frog room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you must help him with that. I just, I, because I, I was wonder because I mean, I didn't grow up in an animal like my. We had like a farm and dogs and whatnot, but I always wonder what it would be like to grow up in an environment where like reptiles are in the house, as a. Like with my son, he's a year and a half. I'm like, what's it going to be like for him to grow up in a place where there's snakes? Like, it's just going to be an ever-present thing for him. And you kind of get to experience that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's normalized. Yeah, it's normalized. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So do you care for everything on your own? Most of it. Mm. Sometimes my dad will do water changes and stuff for the turtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you uh, you have the responsibility of making sure everything's fed and clean. Yep. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, my Florida king snake. Okay. Does I he... want a breeder this year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you have a male? No, not yet. Okay. So, Got to get that male. So, you know, it won't happen without the male. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the male will be a crucial part of that equation. But... I've been talking to some people, though. Uh, they were giving me advice and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Like some king snake breeders. Um, yeah. And then uh, will you sell the babies? If I breed them, yeah. Yeah. Make some money. It'll start a snake business. Yeah. Why not, right? That, that would be a good business. And so what, what, when you're here at the expos, what sort of stuff do you do? I see you running around. You're at every booth, but you help out as well. So what, what yeah. kind of tasks are you up to? Um, so normally there's two booths for understories. So there's one down at the plant area. Okay. And then there's one here at the reptile area where they sell all the frogs. So I'll like restock the leaves and stuff. Or if we're out of something... Like plants, I'll run down to the other booth and then bring it back. Okay. So you're the runner. You're the you runner. do all the work for them. Yeah. Does it feel like work? And or you, you socialize. Fun? Yeah. And we all know fun. you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know everybody's name. It's less of work. It's more having fun. Yeah. 
that's the way to be. It's just it's just fun, right? You get to be around animals, around people, and like you are uh, you're hanging out with old guys like us. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey. yeah. It, which is kind of it's it's cool like you get to have the responsibility not only keeping for keeping animals but also interacting with adults and having conversation with people you're on the podcast you said you listen to the podcast as well yeah which is really cool so that, that that's awesome um do you have a plan moving forward like you said obviously you have an obsession with animals you're still so young so you have like probably like 40 years until you have to decide what you want to do with your life but do you have a career goal or anything like that not really no i mean when i'm older i guess i'd probably want to start an animal business okay. where I can sell animals yeah, for yeah. living, but for now you're just having fun with the animals. That's a ways away. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it for now. Yeah, just enjoy yeah. being at the expos, doing the plant running and, and what Dylan's pressuring you into decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's pick, <laughs> let's pick a career line right now. Yeah. Who knows, by the time you're, you're 20, chat GPT will have every job and yeah. <laughs> we'll just be uh, keeping Well, this safe. is getting heavy. Yeah, this is getting right. heavy. This is going, it's going too far. Uh, <laughs> do you have any other, are you picking up any new animals today? Excuse me? Are you going to get any new animals this weekend? Likely not. Okay, good. That's a good way to be. Not like, don't follow suit with Greg. No, don't follow my suit. <laughs> Mine were mostly planned, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. We'll talk about that in a little bit. It's my guilty conscience. Yeah. Justifying. <laughs> yeah, the, the angel on the shoulder and devil on the shoulder. Well, James, it was awesome to chat with you. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming to the table and chatting. Uh, thank you for doing what you're doing here. It's so cool to see a, a young guy with the enthusiasm that you have. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks for giving me one, man. All right, Greg. We've almost burned through this whole 90 minutes. Maybe uh, does your friend Matt want to come in? Yeah, come on there, over. There. There's. Oh. Hello, how's it going? Oh, hello, I'm good. How are you? Roxanne won't join us. Okay, that's okay. So I'll no, also decide, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Hi, Greg. Oh yeah, we still we still have it set to uh, James' height. We'll get this a little oh, higher for yes. you. Well, are you having a good show so far? Big shoes to fill. Yes, I am having a, big, a really really good show. Yeah. Uh, really really cool selection of reptiles. Uh, I'm I'm not really looking to buy anything per se, but yeah. I came to support and I came to meet people and I came to have fun. So. Cool. Yeah, that's so a cool thing. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, I think you have a YouTube channel yeah, as well, so let's check yeah, that yeah. out. And it's then called Mystic uh, Animals. Mystic yeah. Animals. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it's spelled weird, so you know, uh, M I Z T I K. So okay. Weird, but doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we specialize in animals that tend to have a bad reputation in the hobby. So, like, uh, Nile Monitor is my favorite project right now. Okay. Uh, I also have Savannah Monitor. Is that and, the Nile Monitor that you? That yeah, oh, that's yep, your enclosure. Yep, that's okay. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, and um, uh, we we also are in the process of breeding tegus like it's our first year right we haven't produced anything yet but i really think that they could be the next big monitor type mm. thing right where like people like to keep a big lizard right yeah, but yeah. a tegu isn't like going to be seven feet long right? right so i think it's the perfect size for that but we like to basically work in education to change people's minds about reptiles that might have a bad reputation so like uh iguanas i handle my iguana all the time right yeah, people yeah. think they're nippy I pet mine on the head. She closes her eyes. Yeah, she yeah. loves it, right? Savannah monitors. He, he'll tell you my Savannah yeah, monitor is the nicest like... Savannah monitor on the planet. <laughs> it's well, what, it's he... what influenced me to get. Right. Uh, okay, yeah. I see. Actually, it was Roxanne who's hiding over uh, there. Who, uh, oh, she was into, over it. Yeah. She found it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Although I'll say, <laughs> I'll say, not all Savannah monitors can are, are that tame. I've, oh, I've seen some really, really angry ones, yeah. and like they're mostly probably either imported or mistreated during like their, their early stages. Yes, and that's why yeah. they hate humans. Right. But 
if you work with it really well or if you buy it at an expo or whatever and you buy it in the, this long you can have a best can friend in, in yeah. two years yeah 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 do you ever get concerned like working with these larger animals that you could promote people to keep a larger lizard that shouldn't because that's yeah. also a side of it too right so the way that i i make peace with that is by providing enclosures that are so like like well thought of in terms of what they need like my my nile monitor is it's a, it's a ground species but he has six feet tall yes, right yeah, so yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm hoping that if ever i inspire somebody to do that then i'll inspire somebody to do it the yes. way that i do it and that's 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 positive in that way right yeah, i don't yeah. i would not want somebody to keep a nile monitor in a four by two by two but when we got him he was this long and that's what we kept him in yes, right yeah but yeah. eventually he got a big upgrade and that's that's what i want to tell people is you have to keep up with what your animal needs right that's yeah 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 so important especially in a hobby where people want to get 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 right in like a, uh, at an expo people will get three or four impulse animals absolutely right? yeah and, yeah and right no i'm kidding right no, no, <laughs> only one only no, one right but you're 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 always you're always good at, at at housing them and everything too right so so but that that's the most important too yeah. so so we use we use our animals as a uh, an educational tool to tell people how to keep animals correctly yeah right? and i think that's good too like i think people intuitively understand that okay you have this great socialized large lizard they understand that that's a big part of that is the enclosure and the environment and the husbandry that comes along like that you're showing off yeah. right you have this big enclosure for your nile yeah. it's not it's not a personality trait yeah it's, not, uh, it's work it's work yeah it's yeah. really what it comes down to yeah you know even, and you're even showing got wilma it's it, oh yeah it, like she was good but like look at her now Oh yeah, in a short period of it's time, if you're, her, if you're, it's because you let her bloom into, yeah, yeah. into a, a, yeah. a, a comfortable. Oh, it, it, it is work, and, and yeah. monitors in general are very smart. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. So you you can, really can get them to be puppy dog pets. Yeah, but you, you can know? also, and because of that, you can also go down the other side. You can, there. you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, and I I love when people show off big enclosures because then you you really are painting a picture of what you're actually getting into. Yeah. Like, you'll see a Nile monitor in a deli cup. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you see like, somebody walking oh, out with so that, cute. and you go, "It'll be do you know what you just bought, thing, right? Yeah, because they 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 dull up over time, right? Right. And then, and then you end up with a huge lizard that's way bigger than you thought, and it's less colorful than you <laughs> yeah. thought as well. And then you're like, and Whoa. it whips you every time and you it's get got close. This long talons, and yeah. you're like, hmm, like now it's dangerous. Like uh, our Nile monitor, we got him, we rescued him from Kijiji because the guy had it seized, I think, right? Or or uh, his ex-wife or whatever gave like a, a complaint or whatever and then they they got rid of him right and um it was on kijiji for a hundred bucks wow and i was like if i'm not the one to pick it up and gonna I, get I had i had worked with crocodilians before and yeah. stuff like that i i used to be an, an educator at magazoo which is a, a a reptile store in montreal okay now, now i do it for myself but yeah, yeah, yeah. over there i worked with crocodilians and stuff like that and i'm like i can take care of that now monitor but who can like who else can like yes. I, we lived in Montreal at the time and I'm like it's not even a place where like you have like access to, to big feeders and things like like big feeder exactly animals. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah you know it's uh it, it was a dilemma but we wouldn't do it again but we did it once because that little monitor needed a home so yeah and he's turning into a lovely animal oh yeah like the difference is incredible to watch you know he he actually he he gets a unique perspective because he is the first person that visited my new place, right? And I had only been there like a week, yeah. right? So so when he first saw 
pie on my Nile monitor in in real life, he was like, oh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't cuss. But you know, <laughs> he was like, whoa. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, gads is what I said. He gads. <laughs> arm spray. No, uh, the so last time he came over, he actually held him. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Which is like such a such a yeah, big. So cool. I mean, he's not small. He's he's no no. He's like four feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. Uh, with the tail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, he's yeah. he's a, he's getting. To he's a two size. years old. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. Like that's yeah. where you see people like, don't realize that either. And yeah. that, that's another thing is if people if YouTubers aren't gonna keep uh, those animals, then nobody's gonna see what it's like to keep those animals. Like try to find some Nile monitor footage on YouTube. It it's tough. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. tough. You'll find yeah. wild, wild, uh, uh, like yeah, yeah. like Nat Geo stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll find them in the wild. Uh, like, but like, you also don't have a, a human context. Yeah. yeah. So it's exactly. Like a, you can't see you know, how big it is. Savannah, like Savannah looks like a certain size and yeah. then a person holds it and, and you're, like, you're oh, like oh perspective big, yeah. yeah changed and then my daughter holds it and it's like holy <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah it looks like it's, a black throat when yeah, your daughter yeah. holds it yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. But, but like i don't know they're they're unique and i like i like monitors because of that but so many other things as well like we we have a we have a, a, a sulcata tortoise right okay, yeah. and we picked it up because we we wanted to tell people about how the the price difference in canada versus the u.s means that there's a problem in the u.s and not in canada because here they're 800 dollars, right right so yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if if people in florida weren't selling baby sulcata yeah, for, yeah. for 50 bucks exactly yeah. you know then maybe you wouldn't have a problem yeah you know, where yeah. people get them and then they're like oh it's oops. eating my drywall <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, exactly it's yeah. it's breaking through yeah. stuff yeah well, yeah it, it, it can it can get itself out of a uh, a pit, like a, a concrete, like oh, yeah. wall, like it could bust through the concrete <laughs> in a couple of years, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's a. That's cool, though. Yeah. I mean, I think that's needed because I, I, I do talk about the issue with large species in our hobby, and they become too easy to buy. Yeah. There's not enough barrier to entry. Yeah. People don't know what they're buying. I mean, all the monitors, the retics, you buy them in the deli cup. Like I said, people, a lot of times, do they even know what they're buying? Like I said, you're going home with a dinosaur. You have no idea, yeah. and then it ends 100%. up going Kijiji. That was the thing when I was younger. With uh, iguana, iguana. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Greens, super cheap. They were, you know, $15 or whatever. They were super cheap and you'd get them and they'd, with their tail, be eight inches or 10 inches long. Yeah. And we'll wait for this food announcement. Oh, there's a presentation. And these are the things you could be going to if you arrived exactly. at the CRBE. Oh, yes. You definitely should come. Yeah. It's fun. It's I, fun here. Yeah. You can come today. Meet us now. Come tomorrow. Yeah. But, yeah, the um, it's it's so many people got them because they were so cheap, so affordable. They thought, oh, yeah, I could just put them in an aquarium yes, and they're yeah. good. And then they grew up. Yeah. That, that, that's what happened and, with, with my iguana. Yeah. And they it's such a common... Oh, it's, it's such so a common. common pattern, and I think it's one of the reasons why um, they got banned in so many places or restricted. Yeah, because yeah. they get yeah they could become you know, dangerous, right? Maybe yeah. excluding Florida, but a lot yeah. of other places yeah. did it for that reason. Yeah, not that that's a political direction. We need and to go. Their their <laughs> yeah. bites are actually quite damaging. Yeah, they so, are. Like, so like if you have a, a family and you have a free roaming iguana, which I don't recommend either. Yeah. They should have an enclosure, right? And uh, uh, also, their humidity is supposed to be seventy-five to eighty-five percent, right? So you can't provide that in a house no. at all. Yeah. But also, if you if you were to have a family and a free-roaming iguana, That's you dangerous. could you could get a, uh, like a, a finger off or something. Oh yeah, they, yeah. Because yeah. I've seen some 
bad pictures. Oh, I mean, yeah. now, oh, Robin yeah. from Ontario get or Ontario Iguana. She's posted a picture of getting a pretty nasty bite from one of yeah. hers. And, yeah, oh, yeah. It's a they, stitches thing. Yeah. They're crazy. My, my Iguana, we, uh, it, it's a bit of a special case. She's seven years old and she's this long. Plus the tail, right? right. So, yeah, yeah. so she's severely growth stunted because she was put in um, an Exoterra, the, the two front 36. Okay. Right? Yeah. 36, 10, 12. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That for the first six years of her life. And I was like, no. So now she's six feet tall. By, by, yeah, she's yeah, in a yeah. bass so, But, oh, that's but cool. she's bearded dragon size and she will always stay bearded dragon size. That's and that's like the perfect educational tool because. I would show someone that and they'd be like, oh, perfect pet. And I'm like, haha, imagine it like six times bigger. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, not fun. And I'm like, no, not fun at all. No. And that's why Fiji's are so cool. Fiji's are cool. (laughs) cool. He's got a Fiji. It's like just that right size package, you know. They're way smaller than I thought. Same size. I'll I'll be honest. Snoop Snoop will not get much bigger than Mini is right now. No. No. And she's called Mini, conveniently. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if people were to go to your YouTube channel, would they see some of your enclosures and yeah, whatnot? Of course, it's all of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We 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 do uh, we we try our best to 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 do like a tour every couple months. I know yeah. people have been like asking me to to do another one, but maybe I'll do that in the future. Yeah, do one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we're almost going to be wrapped up. I think there was another one other person. Nick from Mr. Vivarium was walking around. Maybe I'll grab him. But is there anything else? Uh, can you, let's just remind us again of what the channel. Mystic, Mystic Animals. Can you spell it? Yes. M-I-Z-T-I-K. Animals. Okay. Yes. And uh, we're, we're based in Canada. And, you know, Canadian YouTube reptile is fun. Reptile yeah. YouTube is fun. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. We'll thank see you so throughout much. the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll maybe kind of just slowly wrap up. If Nick walks by again, we'll grab him. Here he comes, and then we'll wrap oh, up uh, together. Oh, he's coming back. Yeah. yeah. Here he comes. He's so eager. Oh, Thank no, you. he's not. He's stuck. Oh, here. <laughs> here he comes. He's socializing. And for everybody, uh, come on over, Nick. You can sit right here. Over here, beside me. Have you met Nick before? I've met Nick before. Yeah. He hasn't met me. Yes, How's he has. <laughs> that was awkward. I want to do an awkward one too. <laughs> I switched last minute. <laughs> um, you guys have met before? Yeah, we've yeah, met a few times. few times. Yeah, it wasn't great. We don't, we're not like intimate or anything, okay. but yeah. but we do know each other in passing. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for those listening, Nick has been on the podcast twice. Yes, and both I were have. sort of plant oriented things. We did the master class oh, yeah. on Bavarian plants. Which is one of the most popular episodes on the podcast. Oh, didn't uh, know that. yeah, it's it's I, it, I don't know how many views it has a lot though. It was a me, you, Mike, Titula, and Troy Goldberg, and yeah. uh, it was like a really good. Just this is how you can have like these are the plants that you can have. It came with a list. It, it was really cool. So anyone that hasn't checked out, just t- search Masterclass for Bavarian. Why don't you uh, describe the uh, the podcast for us? <laughs> Should I run through from the, from the first? We said hi. Detail. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so how have you been? Oh, things have been going pretty good. Uh, finally got all the technical sides of starting the education programs going with the business. So okay. it's uh, going to be happening pretty soon. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah. So to bring everybody up to speed, uh, this was a project you've been working on for a while. You want to start an educational business. Yeah. So part of it was like, you know, getting the right animals, but also I'm sure there's the business side to it. Oh, yeah. So I had to first figure out all the technical stuff with um, government figuring out the all the taxes and all the boring stuff that you have to do with a business in Canada. Yes. Then yeah. after that, I was slowly accumulating the correct animals to be using for shows because I didn't want to just go out and get a bunch of un, uh, 
habituated animals for handling because yeah. that just th those don't mix very well yeah yeah so, need to trust the animals yeah. yeah and then finding animals too that i found interesting and also the uh people would find interesting like probably my my uh crown jewel of the collection is nessie the alligator snapping turtle oh yeah oh, yeah cool. that's cool how it's old is cool. she so Nessie, I got her from another reptile zoo. He said that when I got her, she was either 10 or 11 years old. So she's probably about 13 now. Okay. I've had her about a year and a half. So she's a, she's a baby still. Oh, yeah. She's going to outlive me. Yeah, yeah. And so what else? You got the alligator snapping turtle. What else you got? So we have the alligator snapper. I have muffin the uh, about six and a half foot Doomrel's boa. I've also got a pair of... Australian carpet pythons that or sorry, olive pythons. Yeah. They're they're a work in progress. They're the female is still nippy, so there's no way I'm using her in a show anytime soon. And then I've got your other classics like a redfoot tortoise, uh milk snakes, um bearded dragon, blue tongue skinks, and uh African giant bullfrog, and then a bunch of different little inverts okay. to use. And you just got one That's today, cool. it looks like. Oh yeah. Little new curly hair. Little curly so, hair. So so I have a I have a question for you to do with are you with well doing those kind of programs, is there is there licensing to be able to keep and show native species? So with any native species in Canada or at least Ontario, um, you need to have a special permit with the Ministry of Natural Resources. Okay. Except for a few select ones like garter snakes and I think leopard frogs because you can hunt those uh, with a small game hunting license. But because mm -hmm. of that little technicality, it's not regulated. But any other yeah. natives, you need uh, special inspections from uh, officer to come in, make sure everything is set up correctly. Right. And it, it's a very long and tedious process. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, that's interesting. You can hunt leopard frogs? Yeah, uh, frog legs. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, so you can keep them if you have a hunting license. Yeah, and the other <laughs> neat technicality That's is crazy. if they're caught legally with a license and then captive bred, all the uh, continuous generations are legal for anybody to buy. Really? I wonder if it's like that in Manitoba. That's Maybe. crazy. I think Michigan's them. similar to that. I was chatting with a guy in Michigan this past summer. And that's what he does, and and he he said with a with a gaming license he can. Yeah, I know it's a big thing with turtles too over yeah. there. You can, yeah, yeah, you he, can catch like to eat them. They're blanding. I, I and all so. kinds yeah, of yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, leopard frogs get huge. Like I, like most of the time you find them, they're like this. But yeah. I've seen some well, females that are pretty big. Yeah, yeah. they're big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of meat <laughs> if you're doing yeah, the leopard, frog. leopard yeah. frogs to fill you up. Well, they're yeah. pretty prolific, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A chicken, yeah. a chicken wing doesn't have a whole lot of meat on it either, and we still seem to oh, put yeah. ourselves through that hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiny little bone. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. Um, so, so then the plan for the actual business will be, like, going to events and taking animals? Oh, yeah. So yeah. my plan is to do... A lot of public education as much as possible like i'll be doing a supplemental like birthday parties and corporate events but as much public uh, eyes as i can get on the programs the better so i'll be doing like libraries uh things for cities fairs different things like that yeah yeah 
Uh, you know, I always get stressed. Like when people come over and they want to hold a snake, it always stresses me out. Like I just get stressed. And I, and I just imagine like being in charge of all these animals, you got all these kids. Like, I don't think I could do that. Does it stress you out at all? Or Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cry yeah. every day. Stress, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I used to do a lot of um, work with youth, like in youth groups and stuff. So okay. I feel like it's given me a good grasp on how to actually deal with children and having a lot of cousins and stuff has helped too. Yeah. It's like, okay, Timmy, don't, don't touch his head. He doesn't like that, but just, you know, if back. you like it, he'll probably like it. So just nice light pat on the back. Yeah. Or stroke, I should say, don't pat a snake. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really cool. So, how, how do you have a, a timeline? Do you think like 2024, early 2024 type thing? Yeah, so it's going to probably, if I can get all the um, all the stuff situated and like I still have to finalize the website. Okay. But pretty much once the website's up, I'll be up and running to go. And optimistically, the, the, the end of October and more realistic, probably somewhere a little after that, maybe into December. But okay, cool. And that's uh, just like the GTA area, basically the Toronto area. Or so I'm in like far south Ontario. I'm almost in the state of Michigan. Oh, okay. You're not in. Yeah, a, you're so not in Toronto. I'm going to be mainly going GTA and below. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone's in that area and they're looking for something cool, <laughs> they can reach out to you. Yeah. Um, is is your uh, alligator snapper is that your favorite animal or she she probably I want to say yes but then I feel bad because the tegu is <laughs> yeah, also very you. intelligent like yeah. yeah Nessie's honestly such a comical animal because like she'll recognize that I'm the one in the room but if somebody else were to walk in and like startle her she'll just plop her head down as low as she can go and kind of stick her butt up in the air, which is like a self-defense mechanism because they don't like being out of water, but she yeah. does it in the water because she's just a move. Yeah. 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 That's cool. And that, I mean, that's, that's a lot cool. of work too, yeah. just in general. Oh having... yeah. Like I, she's not a pet by any means. She's yeah. strictly an animal ambassador. And whenever people ask me about it, like if they're like, Oh, should I get one? I'll be like, no, get a, uh, Get a little musk turtle. They stay small. Yeah. Very similar behaviors to being almost completely aquatic for the most part. Okay. Right? That's yeah. interesting. That's cool. And they get huge, obviously. Yeah. Right? Like yeah she's she's it's nowhere great. near done growing. Yeah. Like uh, she has about a 14-inch just shell on her with her head and tail sticking out. And she, last time I weighed her, which was probably a year ago, she weighed almost... 25 pounds yeah. and she's only going to get bigger being yeah, yeah. an 11 13 year old animal roughly yeah so you're gonna have a lot of big animals to look after the olives don't get aren't small either they get surprisingly huge oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm well prepared to have the the correct space because i if you look in the states a lot of people will keep snappers especially in just stock tubs yeah which it's no good life for them. Sure, they survive, but they're yeah, they're kind of bulletproof, so it's yeah. not really. Yeah, good they're game. just kind of sitting there, and as soon as they get a water change and they can be pulled out, they're like, "Yes, I can stretch my arms." Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah they, periodically they they figure out how to escape those tubs. Oh, oh yeah, know, and on the loose. Yeah, it's there's there's a catch with any of the snappers because it's like people see them as a, a stationary predator. Yeah, where they wait for things active. to come to them, right? 
So they're like, oh, I can put them in this and it's okay. But yeah. But cool. Well, Nick, can you let everybody know where they can find uh, the business and the Instagram and everything? Oh, yeah. So you can find me at Expedition Wildside on all social media platforms. Uh, there will also be a very cool series coming out on my YouTube channel, which will be me interacting with things like American alligators, like jumping in the water, 10,000 bees put on my face just to see wow. what happens. Oh my Things gosh. like that. Is that on this Expedition Wild? This is what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the damage. Yeah. Is that uh, on Wild, uh, Expedition Wildside YouTube yeah. channel? Okay. Yeah, that's okay. going to all be on the Instagram and then the long form will be on the YouTube channel. Okay. Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much. We'll do yeah, a bit. We'll just do me. that so we don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, are you going to kick that around a new for a ambassador? while? Oh, yeah. Potentially. Once you gets big enough and yeah. more habituated. Bugs are smart too, remember that. Yeah, bugs are smart, yeah. Are you hanging around for a little bit? Oh yeah. Okay, so we'll see you in a yeah, little we'll bit. See then. You yeah, yeah. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Have a good one. <laughs> see, using the term ambassador is a good way to get animals into that. Yeah. Just an ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that was awesome. We've already blown through our 90 minutes. I I I, I kinda wanna wrap up with you. Are you good for another like ten minutes? I'm Just, good for 20, 30, Whatever. 40 hours. Um, it's so loud in here. I find it very hard to hear you. I know. I'm I know. sure the people there can hear you. but can, And I can hear you guys. That's why I put yeah, the headphones yeah. on. So it's, it's not that. Or, it's not fair. I, maybe I'll get my life. I'm getting older. So yeah. my hearings, I've, I got to get used to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us what you keep. What I keep. Oh, um, I, I have a few monitor species. Um, so I have yellow ackies, Kimberly rock monitors. Um, I have a Savannah monitor, but three and a half year old Savannah monitor. She's lovely. A Fiji, um, banded iguana, some gargoyles that I breed just kind of on the edge of things. And Felsuma. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've actually kind of downsized my Felsuma, and I'm kind of clearing that out for more space within my monitor realm. Yeah, yeah, um, you're gonna that's need space. My, that's my bigger passion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the socialization yeah. of them. I I like the way I can communicate with them a lot more. Because you were um, saying to me yesterday that you started with dart frogs, and going from dart frogs to monitors is probably like the most extreme thing. Yeah, well, I. I started a lot before dart frogs, but okay. dart frogs were a, a big thing for me for okay. a while. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was, what you know, as most of us are, and as we all start this same story, as most of us are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was the kid who collected frogs, and I kept turtles when I was young, and I kind of always pulled myself through the reptiles. I, I had a green iguana for, you know, for a long time through my teens. Eventually, I had to pass it on because I yeah, was yeah. young. Yeah, and the, I was an apartment dweller, so you can't. Yeah. So how do you how do you move from apartment to apartment with a with a giant lizard, the giant dinosaur, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I've kind of I've I've had them in my life, most of my life. I went through a period when I when I didn't. That's when I went my wife, so she didn't realize what she was getting into. <laughs> oh, you tricked her with the, but, the uh, pause. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm I'm definitely focusing more on the monitor. Yeah, monitor realm. And you, should we say we got three new ones this weekend? I have got three new ones this weekend. So <laughs> I, I have a, a black tree monitor I'll be going home with. 
and um, a female yellow aki to pair with with my uh, lovely male that I adore. And then I'm going home also with a white throat, which is an ambassador, a, uh, an ambassador, <laughs> we will call it. Yeah. So it's, it's a whole lot of crazy, but I do, I do know what I'm getting into. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll but, be cool. So that'll, that'll be exciting as time goes on. Yeah, definitely. You know? There are two things that I definitely want to talk to you about. Uh, and they're both like creative things. Cause you're a creative person. You like to tinker. Uh, a is the 3d printing stuff. Yes. And then B is just the stuff we were talking about this morning at breakfast with like the dry lock. And, uh, I want to make sure yes. we get that on there. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the 3d printing. Like, tell me about what you're doing with that. You've already shown me some really cool um, things. Yeah. The 3d printing for me, I, I don't see it as like a, uh, a moneymaker as much as, uh, filling missing niches. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I do some, some feeder rings that can like, that are, kind of more twistable and movable so they can go on any angled item but i'm also really getting into doing like um enrichment toys for monitors and trying to come up with kind of newer and crazier ideas for that yeah yeah can you walk us through that little uh oh yeah i wish i had it with me actually um we can show it tomorrow on the stream too. yeah it's so it's actually it's a little tube and it's and it's got a button trigger that i've that i've built onto it so a, a trap door can get fired to drop out any food you put in it. So it'll, the size I'm working with right now, it'll fit pinkies or, yeah, you know, whatever roaches, Crickets, or whatever yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And then as long as they can figure out to hit the colored button, it's um, a big red button. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So I just can imagine how much stuff we can su- suddenly do with 3d printing oh, as far as like enrichment it's, goes. It's like a game changer. Yeah. Even just around my house, you got trapdoors constantly coming. Oh, I need a hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, print it out. Um, so yeah, you can really think outside the box. Yeah, and yeah. kind of come up with cool stuff. I can, yeah, I can just already think like you know any puzzle feeders or things like that. Like yep. it, it could be a real game changer for reptiles. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you walk into the pet store, you can see enrichment for everything else. Everything for- else, and it's like I, I have. Um, an enrichment toy that I got for my Savannah that is fine. It works fine for my dog, but my Savannah monitor, if, if she gets frustrated, she could rip that thing to shreds. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's, it's some of it's thinking about similar kinds of things, things but making robust. them work for the animals they're intended for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, if I wasn't looking, I feel like something could go down. Yeah, suddenly you be, come in half the inner thing stomach is a, before yeah. I realize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not very comfortable, kind of not keeping an absolute eye. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll be really but, cool. But yeah, so yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, and I like I like designing and tinkering things. So it's kind of an endless thing. Yeah. And then uh, you also have a CNC machine that you were talking about, and so tell us about the backgrounds that you're making because I. Everybody in the reptile world wants to make their own backgrounds. They do their own foam stuff. It kind of creates a mess. It can be fun too. But what you were doing, were the pictures that you're showing me were very different from. Yeah. So I, I started playing around kind of designing three-dimensional objects um, in like Blender or something like that, um, that I can recreate and print in foam or cut in foam yeah, on, yeah. on a CNC machine. And 
and then and you can really kind of even afterwards you can get in so i i did what sort of foam is it like uh it's uh, you know the pink insulation oh, pink foam. yeah 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 okay you know so um i did a i did a fake brick wall at one point because nice. i wanted to kind of do a uh something that kind of felt like a bit of a garden an urban garden for morning geckos and and it was really fun just to kind of recreate that and some barks redoing recreating bark so there, there ends up being a lot of work in the in the creation of the object yeah yeah um and but it's different but i enjoy it and it's different it gives a different look yeah you know, and and then I've started to really try and push it with dry lock yeah, and yeah. not that I'm pushing it with the dry lock, but um, something we were chatting about this morning was um, people's plants dying, coming in contact with the dry lock. So I started to kind of investigate and really research. Yeah, because people often say if you're going to use dry lock, you have to rinse it like crazy yeah, once rinse you're it done like crazy. or any plants so will I, die. Yeah, so I, I did a little study for myself over over. A, a fairly large chunk of time and i started to realize it wasn't the dry lock that was the problem it's the those pigments that everyone recommends using the quick crete the like quick the, crete yeah pigments yeah. ended up being the problem so once i started to use like really cheap um like kids acrylic that's non-toxic um as my pigments I stopped having any problems. I started having way more control over the colors I actually wanted. Yeah, because the quick crate only and, comes in the three colors, whatever. And, and it's cheaper. Yeah, expert, way cheaper. Yeah, you get a huge so, container. Um, so I've been doing I've been doing that for a long time now, and never had any. So when you did this, like the study, did you actually have like little walls? I had a, I had a whole setup of of different pieces painted differently, and tried to keep them in the, in the same environment. So I'd have a tank that would be set up, closed up. Um, and have spray systems going and plants growing up them. And, yeah, and, and plants die on the dry plants lock. Plants would or, die early on Yeah, um, with, with all the dry lock stuff, and then it would eventually hit a point where I, I guess the outer pigment gets washed off. It had been cleaned off enough that it wasn't a problem. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was pretty cool. How, I really enjoyed it. Like, you don't put a lot of that quick creep dye into your mix typically, you so you can imagine how toxic it must be, really. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's got to be bad. Yeah. Um, the first hint was actually um, a friend of mine had. I was chatting with him. He was like, "It's funny. I never have that problem." And he'd been using the granular pigment. Okay. And that was the first time I kind of went, "One second. It's because it's a different. Uh... Yeah, it's it, it's from a different company. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it obviously produced differently. It's a little little. It was nightmare to mix in. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd get these little turds that would be in there, and you'd have to be like trying <laughs> yeah. to crush them up. Your rotator cuff, and, is yeah, burning. yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it. So that was my first hint at, at, at maybe it's worth checking out, because you know, like like Troy Gorberg was talking about it a lot, Rinsing, and I was like, this yeah. is crazy that we're not finding something else that's you know, because there's a, there's a ton of things that are like dry lock out there. Yeah. Um. So I thought if it's dry lock, like there's got to be something else. But then the realization that it was the pigment was. Yeah. Yeah, that's a key. That's a key, and especially yeah. like I said, because a it's cheaper, and b you have like this insanely yeah. wide range of colors. Oh that you yeah, can like from. It's a like huge, endless. huge range of colors. I can go down to Michaels and pick up whatever. Yeah, you know, a huge tube of it for six. Yeah, like the, the one you that know? you squeeze. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then, but what's really cool about using the CNC machine is you're like, I, well, as far as I understand, you take an image or a three D render of a of a thing, so you can actually take like a photo of tree bark, or how does that work? Maybe I don't know what I'm talking so, about. So. 
if you have a 3D imager, you could do that. You'll have to go around it. Okay. Some of it's messing around with just trying to build textures that kind of look like a tree or whatever, uh, yeah. a tree bark. Um, and then changing how aggressive it is for different kinds of barks. Um, and sometimes you can build off of someone else's work if you're just doing it for your own thing. I actually went through, there's topographical maps you can get, STL files of the world. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I did a bunch early on that were, I'd figure out where an animal was from. Oh, that's cool. And then cool. just for the fun of it, for like friends and stuff, I did the I'd, I'd, I'd find that area and I'd find the topographical map for it. And then I'd create a background. I, with I'd it. create a background with that. So if it was mountainous area, you'd get like lots of cool texture or not quite so much, but you could kind of get different valleys. And yeah, that's cool. Um, so it, it was really kind of fun to give that, that idea as well as like, you know, you know, for, uh, for fatty, for, Daffy's reptile. I did. Uh, um, I did like a logo in a background for. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I did the same thing for for a couple stores or well, a store in Montreal, Monarch. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of just fun stuff for people I know that I appreciate. Yeah. You know. Well, both those things just unlock so much. It does with the world. I mean, it, it, there is something said to be doing like something handmade and being able to carve the stuff, but it really does take a long time and it, it creates a mess too. It, 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 it is, it's a long time to create. And, and some of the stuff like I was, if you're trying to tie in a side panel with a, with a back panel, yeah, even just that junction point can be a nightmare because oh, you're just outlining. So, it, yeah. And then if you're trying to incorporate, Oh, okay. Maybe I could like do a tree. I want to try and combine it like some 3d printing with some back or the CNC foam background yeah, yeah. CNC stuff and try and see how that is yeah you know yeah, especially yeah. if you're using um things like grouts and stuff like that with it you can really you don't have to worry about it can blend in pretty yeah, easily can, yeah yeah that's cool i mean i think there's so much potential here yeah. it's uh but i think it, that's why i wanted to make sure people heard. i already see that someone said uh it's an invaluable tip, the dry lock thing, because it really is. Like everyone's like, "Oh, my plants are dead again," yeah. and I actually just experienced it too. I'm like, "Oh, there's like a pothos dying off." I'm like, "Yeah, when does pothos die? It doesn't die." No, exactly. <laughs> it's like the invincible plant. Yeah, you know? and luckily, you know, it's resprouting and everything. But yeah. I thought, but plus too, my mind was like, "My animals in there." Yeah. Oh, exactly. I'm like, and that's, that's what sort that. of just scare me. Where I was like, I have a lot of, and at the time of those experiments, I I still had a lot of dart frogs and stuff. Where right. amphibians like. They just have to look at something and they absorb it. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So, so I was very, I felt very aware of, of that. But yeah, that was a for me that was a game changer, kind of discovering that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we've already exceeded our time by thirty minutes almost. Yeah. This was awesome. We'll talk more tomorrow because there's a lot more for you to talk about too. Maybe we'll bring on some of your three D stuff tomorrow. Yeah, we can show yeah, people. Sure. That'll be really cool. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think we no. we should thank you everybody. Yeah, thank you everyone for watching. Yeah. This was awesome. Uh, I don't know how many people are here. There's definitely people in the chat. I guess it says right there, 13 people are in. Oh, look at all you. That's yeah. cool. Next, tomorrow I need to have some ear thing. Yeah, we gotta. Yeah, maybe I'll get you some headphones tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll play around with that right away. Anyway, yeah. thank you all so much. I think uh, Greg and I are gonna get some lunch and do a couple laps in here. And if you enjoyed this, we'll do another one tomorrow, same time, 11:30 a.m. Eastern, and we'll have new fresh faces on. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Greg. All right, guys. Have a good night. Adios. Okay, that was.